Begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is I, Chris, aka Star Raptor, joined by the full crew. Tonight, we have Milton and Ben to talk about the latest updates. Coming out of D23 out of California, we have a lot of trailers to talk about, as well as another production update on the long beleaguered and messed up production of uh, Rogue Squadron. So, we're going to get all into that tonight and more. So, I'll throw it over to you guys. How are you enjoying? Your first week of, of the NFL, I think you both have some uh, good news to to kind of talk about, at least in that respect. I mean, I'm happy. Look, my team won. It's, it's all that matters. I've been saying it's, you know, one game closer to the playoffs. Let's hope. We have a tough game kind of coming up against Minnesota on Monday night. But we'll see what happens, man, like one game at a time. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's the way to do it. You know, same, same with my team. We won as well. And just uh, – Hoping for the best week by week. And, you know, speaking of wins, hopefully Star Wars can start racking up some wins because we've been in some shaky territory lately. So hopefully things are heading in the um, right direction. Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit. I mean, we have a new Star Wars thing coming out in like literally five days as of recording. If you guys are listening to this on the road, it's going to be like two days by the time this comes out on Monday. So there's a lot to look forward to. We'll talk about the first reactions that have been coming out for the first four episodes. People were lucky to see at the Andor launch event last night on Thursday. But our big event here, we, we did a lot of prelude last week, a lot of things coming out with a lot of actor reveals and casting announcements or really rumors at that point. And I was surprised to basically have none of that confirmed at D23. You know, that was something. <laughs> well, I, I didn't even yeah. know. Was it, was, well, did, did they live stream D23? They didn't live stream that specific panel. Everything else they basically did. Okay. Yeah, uh, like I, I don't know. I wish I wish it would have been streaming live so we could have seen. Um, you know, just just my thing is, it's like why not? Like, sure, of course, you know the people that paid to go there. Like, you know, you want an like an exclusive event, but it's like your biggest thing. Like, like a marketing. You know, it's for marketing, obviously, and just to get the fans excited. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's um, you know, that's something I always harp on here um just in general when i'm talking star wars is like to me pr is so important in the entertainment industry and i think you know these are opportunities like i wish that would get more taken advantage of with star wars with heck even um some of the marvel stuff under disney like you know i feel like pr wise um you know things can just get improved more over at disney as a whole yeah so we'll, we'll get into much more of that and you know just doing the normal housekeeping on the channel here. If you're watching us, you can listen to us, of course, through the power of your podcast platform of choice. Yes, that's right. Apple, Google, Spotify, all of the above were available to download new episodes go up on Monday. If you're listening to us and want to, you know, get involved with the chat as our buddy Medora2B is, is doing in a chat right now, you can go ahead and subscribe to YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Starraptor, uh, where I've plenty of cool star wars content um that has been uploaded and will be uploaded um, a lot of things coming down the pipe um so with that being said i'm gonna throw things my way for a change i'm gonna start it off with our week in star war uh star wars because man oh man this is coming in hot i have literally just finished this book in the last hour and that would be what i was talking about last week i was on chapter one 
and I have since finished this book in the last hour. And holy crap, this thing is amazing. Now I know why this is part of the Essential Legends collection. They, they get the best of the crap when it comes to Legends, and they've been printing them out in this really cool trade paperback format. And as you see, it's not a very large book. It comes in just under 250 pages. But man, oh man, I don't know if I could have taken more pages. Not because it's a bad thing, but this is one hell of a dark story in Star Wars. The maturity level on this thing is is unlike anything I experienced. Like the grotesque gore factor of Death Troopers is it, this is The Walking Dead in Star Wars by all means. You know, this is literally this was made in 2009. So actually, I think this would have predated at least the Walking Dead TV show. I forget exactly when the comics were first published, but yeah, it's a very simple, very straightforward story. But the way that Joe Schreiber writes this thing, you don't even see the zombies until like more than halfway through the book. It's just like the ultimate way of piquing the reader's interest with just throwing little like curious things at you, building up the suspense and not really revealing the zombie until the moment is right. And when that happens, it's just, this book reminds me of The Walking Dead mixed with Alien, the movie Alien, because there's a lot of, it's sci-fi, you're on a ship, you're just stranded out there on this prison ship, people get loose, people are dying left and right, and then you have this Imperial Star Destroyer where these experiments are going off, and it is just, oh my gosh, like there are so many moments that will stick in my head probably forever after reading this book like for instance like the guy he is getting the infection through his foot and he's like take off my leg take off my leg to the doctor and she has to think right then and there because the zombies are like coming through this tube so she literally just gets a scalpel like stabs through the guy's stomach without any like any nubbing or anything the guy's just like going into shock she's pulling out this pollutant stuff and it's like crawling on her it's like the symbiote out of venom or something it's absolutely ridiculous and then another moment the poor kid this young guy that was in prison because it's an imperial prison so they're throwing rebels in there whatever he has to crawl th through an entire mountain of basically limbs and severed heads that are stacked to the ceiling because it's all the deceased people that they were just like getting rid of and there's a zombie stormtrooper like pops through and it's just absolute craziness. Like, people getting eaten alive. It's just... It is absolutely insane. So if you are, you know, faint of heart, you might you might not want to read this one. I can't recommend it for you. But if you want to take a dive down the deep end with Star Wars in a way you probably have, haven't ever experienced, it's great. Because at, at, at this thing's core, it's a horror story with the Star Wars license. And I think they juggle it perfectly i don't know i wish this sort of thing could exist in the current continuity but i don't know if disney in the current state would ever let this thing fly it's just oh man i know you you read this ben yeah oh yeah no it's just it's awesome hearing like your reaction to this because like like i've been saying like that book is one of the best star wars books period and like you know now you see why like you know it's a it's a good story simple to the point um, you know, it kind of had like the, you know, like you mentioned, the zombies don't appear through until about halfway through or a little, little in that range through the book, but it's kind of like the Jaws effect throughout the first part of it where it's like, you know, little hints going on here and there, like, oh, what's this? What's this? What's this? And then it's like, boom, like, whoa, all right, this is what we're dealing with. So, um, 
you know, getting things like that involved in Star Wars is great. And, like, you know, just hearing you recap it there, it's like, man, you know, when we're talking, you know, we'll talk about, like, um, like you know, mature Star Wars or whatever. But, man, if, if they ever, ever, which is a highly unlikely, but if they want to get into, like, the genre-type filmmaking, give us a live-action Death Troopers movie oh. adaptation based off this book and make it a, a scary movie for, you know, October, like the Halloween time of year. And I think it would go over really good because people would, at the end of the day, I mean, look, like, you have cheesy zombie movies that make money. How about a zombie movie in the Star Wars universe, like, set with this with this book? Like, you know, this type of thing I think can go over well because it just hits a different audience and it's just such a good, like, I don't know, it's, like you said, it's just, it's so well written. And, uh, you know, like, I just can't highly recommend it enough to, to anybody. Like, it's just, it's, it's excellent. And then, um, you know, like you mentioned, some of the best or, like, some of the most intense moments, like, you have the guy crawling over the bodies, you have the one, um, the one part, I'm sure you remember, uh, I think, like, the one character, I don't remember the names, because it's been a while since I've read it, but, like, you know, the one character was, like, hanging off a thing, or, like, saw, like, all, a bunch of the zombies, like, in, like, a hangar area or yeah. something, like, you know, all that, yeah, that, that part, like, just imagine that part in live action, like, oh how epic that would be. gosh. Like, well, like, that, yeah, go on. One of the moments that I really loved was you got the one character and, and it really he does a great job of like making this one despicable character like this guy killed these two kids. Uh, he is like a prison worker. He basically interrogated this one guy that's the father of the two kids and like killed the guy when he was interrogating him. So he's got bad blood. This guy's a jerk off, obviously. Anyway, he's one of the survivors. He somehow has immunity, like natural immunity. To this, to this virus that's going around. And he gets... He's in the Star Destroyer. He's trying to find refuge because all the zombies are coming from the prison ship to the, the hangar of the Star Destroyer. He finds a Lambda-class shuttle and he gets inside of there and there's actually survivors or Imperial survivors that have survived in that shuttle for 10 weeks. 10 freaking weeks that these guys did not want to venture out of the Lambda-class shuttle because they'd be feared of basically being killed. So... They've had, they, they, the, the commander says, oh, yeah, we've had plenty of water. You know, that that hasn't been a problem. And through the conversation, the short conversation, this prison guard and these guys have had, he's like, unfortunately, we haven't had access to food. And, well, we've basically had the sacrifice. We started off with 10 of us, and now there's, like, six of us because we've basically had to be cannibals to survive in this place. And then as he's explaining the story, there's these three guys that come behind him and grab him and throw him to the ground. You're like, holy sh... Like, this is really happening right now. And just that was like a terrifying... Like, I've never seen Star Wars deal with cannibals. Like, holy crap, we are are here right now. Well, the thing is, though, the thing is that makes those moments great. Like, that's sure, that's like really crazy, but... The thing, I think, the reason why this book is so revered by so many fans is because moments like that, that's stakes for Star Wars. Like, you know, that's that's putting us in kind of like the in, in the um, the characters' shoes. Like, what would you do in that situation? You're stuck in a ship, and you have no options whatsoever. Like, you know, it's it's like those real true like life or death scenarios. Like, you're stranded in a 
deserted place that has no food whatsoever, like what's going to happen? You know, and when people get to their breaking points, like, like you know, it's it adds that like level of stakes. Like I always talk about stakes in movies, and not even just Star Wars in any movie. Stakes are so important. That's why, yeah. like, you know, I'm critical of Marvel because a lot of their stuff doesn't feel like there's stakes. But like in this book, like moments like that adds stakes to things because it's like, man, these characters are barely making it. Oh yeah, and, you know, it just adds another tone to it you know basically basically the guy was like he, the commander was trying to make himself look sympathetic he's like at first we just you know we we just drew straws basically and we picked one person and we would just drain their blood you know we would do we would do it so that they wouldn't feel anything we would at least like give them this numbing agent where they would go to sleep or whatever and then they wouldn't know what happened to them and we would just take the blood at first and we we would throw their organs outside of the of the, of the shuttle um, and just like give it to the zombies, <laughs> but then the guy said we quickly learned that the zombies got riled up when we threw the organs out of the shuttle. So that's at, at that point we decided to just not do that anymore, and then we ended up just eating the the organs in the end anyway. I'm just like, oh gosh, <laughs> like oh, uh, gosh. it's crazy. And there's like feral wookies. Yeah, there's feral Wookiees that just like, oh my gosh, like just like the the, the the meat hanging from their fangs and everything. It's just like absolute horror, like on another scale. Then you put the hot and chewy part in it. I know. was not expecting that. And up until that point, I was like, I love where this story is going because we're getting these original characters and Star Wars would do well to do a story like this where it's like absolutely no known characters, but you're in a familiar galaxy with familiar technology and a backdrop of a story where you know exactly where you are, but you're in this little side area of the galaxy. And then they show up, and it's like, well, they fit perfectly in there, and, and their area of the story, you yep. know, picks up basically when they get boarded by the Star Destroyers, or, or, or you know, they drop off the spice and Imperials pick them up. You know, you hear from A New Hope, this is where they ended up at this prison ship. Um, I don't want to turn this into like a two-hour podcast on this book because I easily <laughs> could. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna just segue out of here. But all I'll say is, damn, you got to read this book. I don't know, Milton, if you've, if you can get your hands on an audio book version of this or if you've already consumed it somehow. But yeah, you gotta, you gotta somehow experience this. I'll probably get on audio when I get the opportunity. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So there you go, well, Death well, Troopers, yeah. Death Troopers. Um. One other thing, one other thing, this just came in last night, and that's why I wanted to finish Death Troopers so quickly. I read quite a bit today, because I, I had to get started on these that just came in. Um, here we go, I have Phase 2 of the High Republic, I got some review copies in, so I'm going to be pouring oh, through nice. these books. Um, they aren't out on sale, well this one's the first one. This is the young adult novel. This is Path of Deceit, Tessa Grattan, Justine Ireland. This is the first book in Phase 2. Uh, this is out October 4th. Um, and then this one here, I think it got pushed back to, like, the second week of November. This is, uh, let's see, The Quest for the Hidden City by George Mann. So these are the first foray into Phase 2 of, of the High Republic. So I'm looking forward to it because there's, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff. This is the furthest storytelling in canon star wars right now going back all the way about 450 years before the phantom menace so i'm looking forward to oh wait is it 400 i don't know it's a 350 sorry 350 years approximately um so there you go keep an eye on that i will 
be putting up those reviews as soon as I get to them. Um, so yeah, that's what I'll be doing over the, the course of this weekend. All right, I think I've talked nice. enough. I'm going to throw this one to Milton now. What's up for your week with Star Wars, man? Well, I can't top your week uh, because I didn't really have anything. I mean, that kind of sucks. Normally, I have something in Star Wars that I can talk about. But honestly, this week hasn't really – nothing's really happened. I mean, I guess I could say there's Star Wars is always on my mind. Maybe, like, that's always my thing. Um, I mean, usually when I work out, I always listen to some type of, like, Star Wars, like, watch a video or, like, theme song or, like, you know, some type of splice video of, like – someone making like a hybrid video with star wars mixed with whatever so there's really nothing specifically i can point that's one thing that stands out but i know star wars is always impacting my life throughout the week trust me i'm either thinking about it looking at something down the road with it you just yeah it's always there heck yeah heck yeah it's always enough i would say the back of my mind i would say a lot of times it's it's more near the middle part of my mind but uh I'll throw it over to you, Ben. How's your week, Ben? Yeah, um, my week was pretty good overall. Like, I, I didn't really have much much going on um, Star Wars wise, other than like chatting with you guys and uh, you know getting excited about the little bits of news and the fact that Andor is coming. And then, of all things, um, you know, as I always joke around, my my grandma will always just grab me random random stuff she sees at the Dollar Tree, <laughs> and she grabbed me a little gin. Jin Urso figure, which is kind of kind of perfect for this. Uh, yep, it's like it was at the dollar. Um, it's like from her at the beginning. Uh, Wait, like at the beginning of the movie again. when she gets first first gets caught up. Uh oh, can you hold that up again? Hello. Yep. You're breaking up a little it. bit. That's all. Oh. oh, you got the six inch one. Yeah, it's like Not it's too. like the six inch one. Yeah. That is the figure that is the ultimate peg warmer. That is the ultimate peg warmer because that is literally everywhere. <laughs> like yep. I go to the Walgreens, that's that's the figure from 2016. It's like, come out of here. <laughs> Somebody get rid of this thing already. I, yeah, they're practically giving them yep. away for free at this point. It's just to get this off the yep. shelf. <laughs> yep. It was a buck. She was like, hey, I saw this, oh. saw this uh, Star Wars so I was like, okay. Speaking of Star Wars stores, I got to go back to me for my week in Star Wars. So my comic store has been really just hitting me and, you know, just hit me with the good Star Wars lately. Because I told you, like, a couple months back, they have that, like, little Star Wars library, as I like to put it. Where it's, like, this, like, little area on the shelf with all the books. And I see every week, like, more and more books slowly start to disappear uh, from from that little section. I'm like, ooh. Lost Tribes of the Sith is now gone. I was like, damn, I was going to buy that maybe. But anyway, now they have a Star Wars toy section. And I was looking, I was like, oh my gosh, they have the Power of the Force, Shadows of the Empire line. I seen they had the Boosh. They had Prince Zizor. I was like, oh man, like I, I should have brought my phone in um, to take a picture for you guys. But they had like, it just made me laugh because the Power of the Force is so obscene with the muscle-bound characters, like, oh my gosh, I don't know if you've ever seen a Darth Vader, but, like, how much roided up he yep. looks. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but then they also that's, had... Uh, yeah. yeah, That's what made him so awesome, though. I mean, that whole line was dope back in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, I, like, I remember, again, that was when they were ramping up Phantom Menace, you know, and, re and rebranding, I guess, Star Wars in a weird way, but because they had the Phantom Menace line, too. 
that came out around that time, which, again, I love those figures when I do see them. I mean, I never buy them because it's like, I feel like I'm not buying the right ones, if, if that makes sense. Oh. But, you know, it, it, it brings back a lot of childhood memories of, like, how dope those commercials were back in the 90s when they would just market the hell of those Power of the Force figures. Oh, my like, gosh. They were, like, fire- they were hitting us with so many obscure characters. Like, I picked up <laughs> one of my favorite characters and it says on the it's it's like I forget the character's name. It's a very obscure droid. It featured in the New Hope scene at Maz Eisley with the droid like they're going into Maz Eisley and you see the round tail. You see like this droid like hitting this other droid with this metal bar or something like oh, that. Yeah. It's like the ASP right. droid or something. I forget exactly. But they had that droid and it, like there was like a little promo thing on the on the on the card. It was like it can be seen in the special editions coming soon or so. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so old. Yeah. <laughs> this so far, promotion dude. for the special editions. Like, oh my gosh. But then they had an entire other box of figures that I'd never even seen before because I wasn't really in the Star Wars at that point. Um, and that was, I guess, for the Clone Wars series when it came out in 2008. Right. I was checked out of Star Wars at that point. Um, just a very short period of my life, but I was checked out of it nonetheless. But it's like different kind of packaging with like the white card stock. But it was like all these Clone Wars characters. Like they even had like this like a uh, uh, different kind of Jedi, like the big furry creature guy. I forget what they're called. The Tals. It was like a Tals Jedi, yeah. And uh, like a bunch of like random Jedi. I was like, well, wow, these these look kind of cool. Um, so yeah, it's like, oh wow, like oh yeah, I, you know. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of old, you know, those old, those old throwback toys are so awesome to find, you know, um, you know, from that era. The like you said, the power of the force figures, the um, the crazy, the crazy ones were the, you know, the from the Tartakovsky Clone Wars figures. Those ones, like they weren't even articulate at all. Like you know, the power of the force figures, the arms would at least move up and down. Like you would just buy like Dirge or like Obi Wan, and they'd be stuck in one pose. Like that's it. Like they would be just a stat, a little mini statue, basically, is what what those figures were, and it was crazy back then. I mean, I had so many of them because you know during that time period, I was probably in like third grade or so, so I I got all kinds of the you know those Star Wars figures back then. But uh, but yeah, I don't know finding those finding those toys like it, it's just such like a good nostalgia trip because like I mean, heck, guys, like I mean, we know we talked about. The lack of Star Wars toys these days, like, you know, it's so it's so much more different, like, because it just mm-hmm. seems like the toy market isn't near as big because, in my opinion, a lot of it has to do with, like, gaming, which I love gaming and everything, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of it has to do with, like, you know, kids getting their tablets and their phones and their oh, yeah. Xboxes earlier, and, you know, they're not wanting those physical toys because then, you know, if they get their, their Xbox or their PlayStations they can just be talking with their friends, even if they're in, like, third, fourth, fifth grade or something, playing Fortnite. Or, and, like, I think that's affecting mm-hmm. the toy production massively because, I mean, heck, look at, like, The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. The toys were so scarce for those movies, and few and far between, and it's, like, that's that's an example right there. Yeah, the, the um, Force Awakens was definitely the heyday of the Force Friday event. Yep. Did, did either of you guys go to the Force Friday event when they released all those toys at midnight? At like Toys R Us or whatever. Yeah, they had it like Toys R Us, Target, yep. all those places. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I went 
to I went to the local to- Toys R Us with one of my friends, and cool. it was just fun, you know, going just because there were just so many Star Wars fans there. Like, I know. Went, you know, it was like packed and like, and, and it's just like holy smokes. And now, yeah. you know, now, I mean, this just shows you like when we went to like the Rise of Skywalker, for example, me and my cousin, um, for for the movie, it 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 eventually sold out. But in comparison, like, say, The Force Awakens, when we went, there was a line, like, clear to our theater door, you know? So, like, it just, it, it's such a different time period I feel like we're living in now um, after the sequel trilogy. Yeah, it was, I don't know if we'll ever get there again, you know? It just, it probably won't ever f- hit that fever of pitch again, because, like, Disney's going to keep it going. Like, it, the only reason why it was that big is because yeah. Star Wars was literally gone for 10 years. There was nothing going on for 10 years, and yep. that that goes to show where like that longing for something builds up the hype. And now that we have Andor, then we have tales of the Jedi, then we have bad batch and we have men. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's always on. So there's never going to be that big push anymore unless they do like the old Republic or something. And then it's like, okay, now you're going to see that spike again, maybe. Um, but, but yeah, so anyway, that was our very, uh, very long and extended Arika Star Wars, some Star Wars toys talk, and uh, some Star Wars book talk. So you can't beat that. So shout out to the chat. We have uh, Madara 2B. He was chiming in earlier saying, hey, you know, um, why don't you just do, uh, they're doing Marvel Zombies over there, going back to our Death Trooper discussion. Yeah, you just, you know, put it on Death Troopers, you know. And that is true because he was, uh, I did yeah. hear that the Marvel Zombies, they did confirm that's going to be like a TVMA type of experience. It's going to be yep. blood and gore and all that. So. Heck, why not? Um, we got Aaron Daly saying maybe a Death Troopers I, game. Oh my gosh, can you imagine if they did a Death Troopers game in VR? Like like the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners? Like That's a perfect use of the license right there. Oh my gosh, that, that's, that, yeah. that's written for itself. Um, we got Sims chiming in. I'd like to see a Darth Plagueis trilogy. Yeah, I think they're going to probably go more of the route for a series for that. I mean, I feel like uh, if you're going to do a Darth Plagueis, anything? Um, oh, I'm thinking about Darth, uh, Darth Sidious. You're thinking reason. Darth Bane, yeah? Or no, I think he is right. Um, I, I think it doesn't matter. Look, if we, or, if we got a Darth. Uh, I was gonna... Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Mel. I was about to say if we got if we got a Darth Bane or Darth. Uh, Plagueis trilogy. I mean, we all would be happy. Oh, so, like, look, we've been <laughs> clamming for that for years, so it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So, oh, getting to this week's releases, we had Bounty Hunters issue number twenty-seven, and we had Obi One issue number five. I have my reviews on the channel for that because um, I do want to jump into the news. So, check that out. They're pretty good comic books. First thing, it's not a good thing. We're going to leave off with the bad stuff first, guys. We're going to end up with the really good stuff. So we'll start with the bad first. And that is Disney removing Rogue Squadron. Uh, this comes to us from Variety.com. I mean, we kind of seen this coming. The writing was on the wall, right? Like, like we just had D23, so they're showing all this new stuff coming out. You know, Snow White and Inside Out 2. And, you know, Disney owns a lot of the real estate for their movie dates because they can't have both of their movies coming out, like, next to each other. So... Some things have to get pushed, and well, in the case of Rogue Squadron, they are so far behind on the production that at this point they're just saying, eh, we're going to just take it off of the schedule entirely before we get more concrete plans on what the heck is actually happening. So, I mean, we've spent many, 
many right. times talking about this whole story. So it's it's more of a non-story, but it is kind of sad seeing the realization that a movie that I was really, really looking forward to that technically should have been out this year is now coming out maybe not in the next two or three years at this point. So look, I'm a, I'm gonna keep it real and just keep it short. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, okay. look, this project has what been going through some tor- turmoil since they announced it. I mean, they had that. The only thing, only thing nice about this project are two things. One, um, Patty Jenkins, you know, she, she's credible. She's a great director Two, that promo video that they shot talking about announcing this video. Yep. Or this this movie, that's the best thing about Rogue Squadron thus far, and that's pretty sad. You know, we haven't gotten any concept art, nothing like that. Which you know, it's Star Wars; they won't release it anyways, um, or Disney, excuse me. But like, I'm not surprised it's happened. It's it's Star Wars Disney over the last almost ten years, or I guess it'd be eight years since they had this property. How many times directors have been on and off of projects, or they've announced projects and canceled them? Hell, we're still waiting to hear about Ryan Johnson's trilogy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Like, it, I, I'm not shocked. Ben? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can, I completely agree with you, Milton. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're listening, hey, if you're listening to Ryan, it's, it's he wants it to happen, but it won't. But that's Here's the like, thing about, like about Ryan's Rose trilogy. I'm about to say, well, Ryan's trilogy is not going to happen because he's got all that money from Netflix to do the, Kni- the Knives Out movie. So, just keep focusing yeah. on those movies because they're kind of fire. Stay away from Star Wars, Ryan Johnson. Continue. <laughs> um, thanks, Milton. Th- uh, thanks for speaking for the the audience. <laughs> the facts. <laughs> um, but but yeah, like for real though, with with the Rogue Squadron stuff, to me, honestly, um, the more we hear about it, and like if you look on that Disney the Disney calendar, like the next Star Wars release is uh, December nineteenth, twenty twenty five, I believe, or so. Holy crap! It's, that's it's far away. Worth yeah, it, it's like it's like twenty twenty five. I'm pretty sure is, is the next. We're we're looking at like three years minimum. So it's like, and we don't even know what that is. Like that could be Tyga's movie. Tyga's movie could get moved. Like we don't know. So like my thing is like with the Rogue Squadron stuff. I really th- I just think like I'll just say I think it's flat out not going to happen. I mm. really don't. I don't think it will. Just because there's so many weird, like. <laughs> You know, how many times have we heard creative differences with Star Wars? We haven't heard it yet with Rogue Squadron, but I just feel like something's going on there behind the scenes because, you know, why else wouldn't it release this year or next year even? Like, like obviously you have the logistics of Avatar. Avatar this year, Avatar is going to be the biggest thing for Disney this this year. But um, But you have, you know, Star Wars. You could put Star Wars anywhere. Like, Star Wars is one of the biggest IPs in the world so mm-hmm. why would you not why would you not make the movie and like like that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast for a whole other day we can get into almost as a main topic is Star Wars in my opinion I've said it so many times like you know I love the Disney Plus stuff but Star Wars to me still is the best when it's in a movie theater like if Star Wars is popping and it's doing really good and it's in a theater like that's like think about when we when we had The Force Awakens how excited everybody was basically like when Star Wars is good in a theater or Rogue One you know well our our uh, our sequel to the Andor show you know Rogue One like everyone was so excited after Rogue One because Star Wars was good in a theater then like the other sequel movies happened and then it was like shook everybody's faith 
And then now it basically made Lucasfilm gun-shy on like, all right, maybe we shouldn't make Star Wars movies when that's what the franchise was built on. So like me, I just, I'm, I'm normally an optimistic person, but like to me, I'm very pessimistic on Star Wars, their future in theaters, unfortunately. Yeah, we have Battle in Boston. Thanks for joining us, Chad. It's a new name in the chat. He's saying, I'm fine waiting another 50 years for a Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie. Hey, there's a lot of people out there with you, Battle in Boston. There's a lot of people that are really high You're damn up right, because <laughs> he is trash <laughs> when it comes to Star Wars. Well, no, 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 no. and I always say this, right? If you give Ryan Johnson the keys to the kingdom in his own era, let's say it's 100, 200 years in the future, I'm sure he's going to do a kick-ass movie. It's just, you know, well, dealing it, it, with some of the look, characters. It's always hard dealing with characters with baggage, you know. Right, if right. You're trying Here's to make thing, a though, statement. And, and I'll, you know? I'll give him I'll give him his props. You know, I like a lot of his work. You know, as a filmmaker and a storyteller, I like a lot of his work. You know, I, I like the Knives Out movie. Hell, I'm looking forward to the sequel that's coming out. Glass Onion, yeah. Can't wait to see that. You know, but, dude, don't tell me you're proud of The Last Jedi which I'm surprised is not a story for tonight, but he said how he's more proud of like The Last Jedi and all that trash. I mean, and that might be true for him because he made he made the damn movie. Yeah. But come on, man, that movie is straight garbage. It that's the one that tainted <laughs> Star Wars for a lot of people. It, when it comes to this movies moving forward, like that film shifted people's thoughts about what they thought they were going to see, and that's not. I keep telling this to people. That's not fans being weird at the time jj and kathleen set us up to think this is where star wars is going and then we get this movie which shifted everything and it's like wait a minute what the hell and then we got the rise of skywalker and then it's like wait what the hell and then it's like now what so it's like ryan and kathleen those guys really like shook us as fans and it makes sense how you mentioned ben how movies are kind of gun shy right now like they haven't really come up with a good plan of attack when it comes to the next trilogy of films or films in general oh i i completely agree with you on that milton like my the whole um situation not to like dive too far into a last jedi discussion but like my whole thing with that i mean i mean i guess it is relevant to talking about star wars and theaters like to me honestly like it damaged the IP, in my opinion. Like, I I think it did just because it put that, like, almost reputation in part... You know, a good chunk of the fans' minds, like, oh, man, if we get a movie released, is it going to be like that? And then that, that... Therefore, you know, if you're... If you have potential fans thinking like that, then obviously the people at Lucasfilm are like, oh, man... Our IP might be a little damaged, so maybe we can't release a movie real quick because it still might not get the turnout because of, like, the aftermath, you know? So, like, that's my thing with that. And then, you know, like you mentioned, you had the, the story of, like, Ryan getting interviewed um, this past week. My, my, my main thing with him, he's an excellent filmmaker in terms of, like, Knives Out's phenomenal. Um, the one movie he did, uh, I can't think of it, Looper was really good. Yep. Um, that's an excellent movie. I love that. But one. you have you have different things like that. My thing with him is, don't get me wrong. Like none of us obviously are as talented a filmmaker as he is, or anything. But and like you know, a lot of filmmakers, I'm sure they have like egos and whatnot. Like my thing, I just again, I guess it always falls back on my my PR side of things. But like my thing with it is, like a lot of his interviews, 
it, it's like kind of him pumping himself up in the interviews to kind of get a stir, like a rise from the fans, like to get people talking about, instead of talking about like his current work, we're debating his old work. So, you know, it's just, it's just getting the fans stirred up and, you know, it's just, Oh, Ryan Johnson's movie, Ryan Johnson's movie, you know, it's just, it's just a stir point. And like, my, my thing is like that type of stuff that gets stirred up is what's damaged the movie part movie side of star Wars, because you know, we're not talking about the on-screen stuff. We're, we're debating the directors. We're debating the actors. We're debating this. We're debating that. Like, you know, I, uh, you know, heck, talking about the actors, like, I love seeing some of the actors, like, on their social medias. Like, like I, I don't know if you guys caught John Boyega this week. I love some of his responses he was getting to fans on Twitter was, was awesome. He was talking about, like, his dating preferences and stuff like that, and people were getting all riled up. But it's like, that's what we want, like, just transparency. Um, and just being real versus like, you know, just being like about yourself and stuff. And like, like that type of stuff is what's, you know, when you have good PR, like from the actors, from the directors, like that's awesome. But like when it's bad PR, that's where things get shaky. And like, that's where Star Wars has had, I feel like more bad PR than not. And that's why, you know, we're at a point with Rogue Squadron where it's like, okay, this movie might not even happen at this point. Because like, if you're removing it from the Disney, the, the release calendar, that means it's basically heading to the, uh, the island of delayed or yep. not happening projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like we've seen any shortage of those examples. So that's why I think people are making a big yep. deal out of this because it's like, oh, we've seen this before. So so what's going to happen next? Um, yep. As for speculation, I know we had one of our viewers out there, Sims. Uh, is it going to be OT or sequel error? I'll just throw my two cents in here. I was hoping it'd be sequel error just for simply because, you know, the track that Kathleen Kennedy was saying, they're not going to focus on trilogies right now, but, you know, maybe do a standalone video or standalone movie uh, of just like Oscar Isaac literally being a commanding officer of of Rogue Squadron there and rebuilding the team and and making it like the after their ancestors of, okay, we've had the Rogue Squadron of old that fought during the Battle of Hoth and we're going to live up to their name and we're going to go on our own adventures and, and only something a cinematic movie could do um, with Rogue Squad. You, See, yeah. I was, I was debating this with somebody online on Twitter. I was like, they're like, Oh, let's make Rogue Squadron a Disney plus series. I'm like, I don't think they would have the cash for that. If I, if I'm thinking of a Rogue Squadron movie, I'm thinking of like, there's at least like three space battles of the caliber of battle of Scarif. Like it's, if this movie is about pilots, it better by all means have really awesome like groundbreaking like effect shots like that you know oh for sure well i was gonna say too um to throw in there with the rogue squad i uh you know that's another thing as well maybe maybe the movie's getting moved because of the era they're they're maybe recalculating their plans because like that's the thing i think that the big the big issue point we have here with with the um the uh the whole thing with like Rogue Squadron and a lot of the projects, um, you know, uh, Christian Harloff made a really good example of it. And, and you know, I, I was listening to his podcast and basically his, his thing was like, if you look at like Marvel, like Marvel stories are always building on each other, building on each other, building on each other, building, you know, they're always moving forward. Basically mm-hmm. like star Wars. It's like a scatter plot. Like, you have one one story getting told in this year, one story getting told here, one story getting told here. Like you have all these scattered stories. Mm-hmm. So you know, you fan a lot of fans, like say general fans, like general, like real general audiences, 
they don't know what to get excited about because there's not like the build up, you know, the momentum. Like, oh man, we just got excited for Avengers Ultron. Now we're excited for uh, whatever movie comes after that because it's building on it, building on it, building on it. Like there's not that momentum. So Star Wars has like the pressure. They have to hit every single time because they don't have the momentum. They basically are starting from ground zero every single project. I see. Like that's, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of like the issue they're having with some of these projects because they're so, like, like think about even, you know, the Mandalorian turned out to be a big hit because of Grogu. You take Grogu out of that show and I don't know what people think of it, honestly. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's a big thing as well as like the momentum of the movies. And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it's going to be really interesting to see if, if Rogue Squadron happens. Hey, I mean, I mean, I guess you can't turn it into a Disney Plus movie because it, it'd be way too expensive to put on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I feel like, honestly, they could be maybe recalculating their plans. Like, if Rogue Squadron doesn't happen, maybe they're planning another big movie. Like, because... Because, like I mentioned, the the next event, or the next movie on the Disney schedule was like December nineteenth, twenty twenty five. So, if you think about it that way, by that time, like this is my prediction. This isn't any speculation whatsoever, or like this isn't from anybody whatsoever. This is just me throwing a, throwing a ball out there. But what if the that project in twenty twenty five? What if that's the wrap up movie for the Mandoverse? Like, because by that time you'll be on Mando Mando season four will uh. be done. Ahsoka season two will probably be done. You'll have, you know, you have these different shows. Boba season two probably done. Uh, potentially Rangers, if that ever happens, done. Like, you know, you have these potential shows building up. And then, like, my thing still falls back on Kathleen Kennedy's comment from a year or two ago, saying, like, these these shows will, you know, lead to an to a uh, to an event. Like, what's that event? Is that going to be a, di- a an actual? you know, an actual in-theater movie, like, boom, will Star Wars be back in theater via a huge, I, I don't know, epic movie wrapping up the Disney Plus, like, the Mando era? Like, that. that's where I'm thinking we might get our first kickoff for Star Wars movies again. Just mm. because, you know, if you think about it kind of in the momentum example, the main momentum Star Wars has going for right now is Disney Plus, in my opinion. Like, it's not even close. So, like, what other momentum would, you know... Like, these Disney Plus series going forward, boom, announce a big, you know, whatever wrap-up to the Mandoverse. Like, I think that's where we're heading for the next chapter of Star Wars in theaters. Mm. And Battling Boston's had put this out there earlier, like, hey, can we talk about Dave Filoni? That's the answer for your good director to put on the next movie. And it's (laughs) like, that would actually make a lot of sense if Dave Filoni directed whatever that big culmination of the Mandoverse is. Get him in there. Everybody been screaming from the rooftops. Get Dave Filoni to direct Star Wars. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, you got that. I mean, look, Ahsoka will we'll get his full um, scope of, I guess, his talents when the Ahsoka show comes out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's somebody out there saying that they they know a lot of stuff about that, and they're saying this is uh, Dave Filoni's magnum opus is the Ahsoka series. Like that's how high praise it's getting. So yeah, I'm hyped for that one. Like, look, we just just give me the damn show at this point. Like, I just can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rebels <laughs> Rebels 2.0 live action basically. But yeah, yeah so we're gonna move on. Um, we got one quick story before we get into D23. Um, 
We have another casting announcement for the Acolyte. Uh, we have a new actor, not a new actor, but Manny Jacinto joins Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. This guy has played on The Good Place. He was recently in the box office hit Top Gun Maverick and a bunch of other things. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with this guy, if you've seen Top Gun, if you've watched The Good Place. But yeah, this guy's joining Emmy, uh, Emmy winner. He won now. Lee Jung Jae in Disney Plus's Star Wars The Accolade. Lee Jung Jae was from um, that, that Netflix series, uh, The Red, Red Green. What the heck is that called? Squid, squid Game. Games or something. Squid Game, yeah, yeah. And Amanda yeah. Seinberg. So they are stacking up the cast on The Accolade. It seems like every week we're talking about The Accolade, but we still have gotten nothing really official other than the announcement way back when. So, yeah, there's just a... There's a little update. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this actor. Oh, I have no idea. I who mean, he is. I say no idea. I mean, I saw Top Gun, but okay. But I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember him. I'm, I mean, I, I feel like you know. I don't know. Top Gun. Your main attention's focused on Tom Cruise as it is. So like, I yeah. don't know. I don't really remember him from Top Gun, but I'm sure he's a good actor. Yep. So moving on into the big event D23, I just want to talk about. I was satisfied with what came out, but I just have to throw this out there to you, Ben, to you, Milton. Um, a lot of this footage was footage that had already leaked. So do you feel like Lucasfilm was effective at this event? Do you think it was well-warranted um, after the three-year wait they've had since the last one in 2019? Oh, wait, so what, what footage are we talking about? Maybe I'm confused. So there was the D23 event. Um, so they yeah. had the the trailer for Andor, which is basically all stuff we've already oh, seen. Oh, yeah. yeah we've we seen got that. the Tales of the Jedi, which is something I've already seen that leaked online. And then the Mandalorian trailer, which leaked to everybody but me that had watched right. it beforehand. So in reality, they didn't talk about the movies. They didn't talk about Acolyte. They didn't talk really about a lot if i'm being honest i know they've maybe right. showed like a behind the scene like little teaser for ahsoka i think but they didn't show anything to the on so basically it's like i think it's just a little bit of a letdown like like how are they not going to show a movie like pan like yeah. how they're not going to talk about the movies like for like the third big convention this year like they didn't talk about movies at celebration they didn't talk about movies at san diego comic-con they didn't talk about movies at their big Disney event that they haven't had in three years. That's that's where I get worried. It's like, how does every other studio come with movies to talk about? I mean, honestly, Lucasfilm did have Indiana Jones 5. So if they didn't have Indiana Jones 5 to at least talk about, then I would be like, okay, what are they actually doing at this point? Right. But still, I, mean, I think that was a little bit like, huh, really? No movie yet? Right, right. Like Taika Waititi well, isn't on this, this, you know, just talking about whatever, but. To answer your original question, was it a letdown or whatever? What is it even worth it? I mean, look, I didn't see any of the trailers except for Andor. I mean, that footage was very familiar to me. But I didn't see Tales of the Jedi. I didn't see the man. Was it was it Mandalorian? Was the other mm -hmm. trailer they showed? Yep. Yeah. So I didn't get to see those until obviously that Saturday. So to me, it was it was good because I I wanted to see it. I'm glad we got that release. But to someone who have already seen it leaked. Okay, that's a letdown. I get that. So I can see twofold how it works. As for the movies, look, it comes back to planning. Do they have Do they have a plan? Maybe they do. Maybe they're just not ready to release or talk about their plans for movies 
know, in the next three to four years. You know, maybe that will come next year, you know, for a convention. You're right, Chris. I think for those type of big conventions, you should bring your heavy hitters, which are pretty much your movies, your big IPs, that type of thing. And I'm glad Indiana Jones got its love and its props. However, if they if they don't have a plan for, for films in the next five to six years, don't bring them because I don't want to hear about it. Because like I said, with Rogue Squadron, we got that announced at what? Uh, whatever it was 2020 ago yeah whatever it was and then look it's it it's dead you know so it's like don't don't announce anything until you absolutely know it's going to be made you have the team together and and you're ready to rock and roll like i just don't want to have to deal with this and it's it's like the video games video games always getting delayed and pushed like i don't i I don't want to see that anymore i think they've already correct themselves if i'm looking at our recent evidence is skeleton crew they were filming Skeleton Crew when they officially announced it at Star Wars Celebration. They're like, hey, like, here's Jude Law. And, like, they are filming at Manhattan Beach, which was, like, probably, like, within an hour away from where I was when, when that panel was going on. So, and I remember, like, up to lead up to Celebration, we were getting rumors of this live-action series that was filming in, like, June. I'm like, why aren't they announcing this? Why, why are they just keeping this so on the download? And I think they, I think from now on, Bill, and I think... Skeleton Crew, that series, I think they're they I, I like you said, they'd be best to do that. Like just have all the the contracts written out. These mm-hmm. these creators can't be involved with other projects. Like they gotta be if they're gonna be involved with Star Wars, I'm sorry, but like you gotta be just working on Star Wars. You can't be working on this project, going oh. here, doing this for three weeks. No, like they should be signing a contract where they are that's the only thing they could be working on. I hear I hear that, but I mean, let's be real here with Hollywood nowadays. It's not like it was back in like you know the let's say the I'll go way back like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s where you signed a studio contract, uh, say hey I'm gonna do five Warner Brother movies in a row, blah blah, blah or what or however you do it. You know, you usually sign picture deals in a sense of like I'll sign the one to do the sequels later. You know, that's how they do it now. But I see what you're saying, but like I said, Taika Waititi, every studio wants him. You know, look at you know, any other actor, you know, John Boyega, we'll use the actors. Every studio will want to work with him. Um, look at uh, your girl, Bryce Dallas Howard. P- people want to work with her. So are, are they contractually obligated to sign these long deals with these companies? Not really. They, they have a lot of leverage not to. Um, but I see I see your point. Mm. You know, I can see them saying, listen, if you're going to work with us, you got to be committed. And I think that's been an issue last five years with star wars where you get these creators you get these writers and then they have this dysfunction of like you know lack of communication or creative differences like wait come on like you got to be all in or not like we can't play these games with the fans no more mm. yeah oh yeah i mean i i completely agree with both of you guys on this whole um this whole question because like my my thing with with the whole situation is you know like i said a, a lot of my angles is from like hey you know your pr and your fan relations like to me it's like read the room like it's the whole thing of you know read the room star wars read the room because you know um like i mentioned i was listening to sith council this week and you know they were talking about it and you know a lot i was listening to um force center like you know different different star wars podcasts and you could just tell hearing these other star wars um creators talk about it, it people are let down because it's like like, obviously, you know, of course, Milton, you know, you didn't see some of the um, trailers that leaked, but, you know, they leaked months ago. 
And to me, like, sure, okay, technically they leaked, but if you want to get technical about it, they weren't officially released. So basically this was really the first time release of those trailers and stuff. So like, if you want to get technical about it, that's fine. Like that's, that's there. But even like on, um, say Sith council this week, they were talking about, they were thinking maybe that Ezra announcement was going to happen. And like, to me, that would have been a perfect time yeah. for star Wars to call an, to call an audible. So basically just say, Hey guys, before before we go out on stage, like everybody knows all about these trailers. So Dave, just announce the Ezra casting and let's just show a picture of the guy and be like, hey, this is your new Ezra. Boom. Seriously. And people would have been you know, it would have been the best D twenty three ever because we were getting live action Ezra. But and like, you know, and uh, you know, while listening to like Sith Council this week, they were like, Yeah, we were sitting there, they were you know, Dave came out, he was talking about Ahsoka, he was like, Yeah, I'm excited for a character journey, blah 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 blah. And then he said he talked for a couple minutes about Ahsoka in just real general terms. And, you know, Harloff and the other people on Sith Council were like, oh, we were we were thinking maybe, maybe you know, as soon as Dave was getting done talking, you know, the lights were going to show off. And they were going to say, hey, this new Ezra, boom, and show, show him or something. And then they're like, oh, you know, and then John Favreau walks up and they start on Mandalorian. And it's like, wait, you're not announcing Ezra when the day yeah. before Hollywood Reporter and everybody else reports it. So, like... To me, it's just like reading the room. Like Star Wars needs to read the room on stuff like that, and just, just um, like they have to get hype. Like they have to build hype for for the Star Wars fans. And like to me, I think D twenty three overall was a like if you give it a scale out of ten, I think it's just like a five. Like it's cool. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Yeah, we got the high definition five. version of the trailers and stuff, which is awesome. But to me, it's just like it. It's it's not really any news. And, you know, the, the no movie thing is what really knocks it for me. Because, like I mentioned when we started this podcast, like, Star Wars, to me, is, is like, still a theater thing. And um, and even the funny thing is, like, just referencing, like, this, the Sith Council podcast, you know, Harloff joked around. He said to one of the co-hosts on there, he, he told him when they were standing there in the crowd, he's like, I bet you, I bet you, by the end of this panel, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get a movie announcement. And if they do... He said, I'll eat my shoe live right here on camera if, if we get an announcement. And he said, look, I still didn't eat a shoe, so no movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can because, you imagine? I would love be, to see that. <laughs> oh, I know. Be, because it's just, just like, it's just, that. it's bad Star Wars fans are that confident we won't get announcements. Like, you know, it's I just, bad when I just don't like it. I just, like I just need those announcements. Yeah. Um, speaking of announcements, we have one that's not so good. Um Bad Batch got a pretty significant delay. Supposed to come out this year. At one point, they had a banner on the official Disney Plus for US, at least for September 28th. It has now been pushed to January 4th. And this was a bummer. Like, like, like they didn't even get... I mean, I, here we go. I, I sound like I'm whining. Oh, they didn't even give us a trailer. But no, it's like weird. Like, you think they would have at least give us some new material to watch? Nothing. Chris, I'm telling you, um, man. This is not nothing. Dude. You should be used to this at this point, my man. We should, <laughs> you should be used to the disappointment that Star Wars puts us through as fandoms when it comes to these weird delays and announcements. Because, <laughs> honest to God, how many times... Have, we? I think for the last five weeks, we've talked about some type of delay or like something with a movie or with a video game. Like Literally, for the past month or two, we've been pretty consistent about this. I'm not surprised at all. Literally, when I used past the show notes, I was like looking... Oh, delayed for okay. It's typical Star Wars Lucasfilm. 
like, but seriously, for that I, long is crazy. I, you know, because they pushed it, back it, Andor like three weeks. I was like, okay, maybe they'll yeah. push back this to like October, or the end of October, Jan- January. I was like, my eyes were just like, what? Like literally, this... literally, we had Eclipse. It delayed. Kotor remake it was delayed twice or pushed twice. Was Andor pushed twice? Something like that. Now we got Rogue yeah, Squadron. And then we got Rogue Squadron. Now we got Bad Batch. I think what's happening is is Disney strategically pushing everything now. Another, I want to bring this up. Another thing was when they announced Mandalorian season three at, at Celebration, they said it was February. That was all in the marketing. All the marketing said like February. I think even the Twitter February, account said February. February 29th. And guess what? February is nowhere to be seen after they put out that teaser trailer. It's, it just says 2023. The marketing doesn't have it. So I'm thinking that they they Bad Batch is ready, but they know they need more time for Mandalorian to finish the effects and all. So like, all right, let's just shift Andor forward. We'll shift Bad Batch. We'll we'll have, you know, I guess 16 weeks of Bad Batch or something. And then after that is when we're going to get Mando. So we were all thinking that we were going to get like two Star Wars things in one week. We technically are with Tales of the Jedi, which we'll get into at one for one week at least. But I find it very interesting that that happens. So I think they're going to pad out, which is not bad. We're going to get like more Star Wars content for the entire year because you're going to have to fit in Ahsoka. Maybe they'll push Skeleton Crew to 2023 or 2024, I mean, at this point. But I think there's a lot of I... shuffling going on here. Yeah, I think, I think the... Um... The big part of this also we're overlooking as well is sure the Bad Batch did get moved, which of course, like 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 you said, Milton, water is wet, so you know what do you expect? Um, <laughs> but but I think the season maybe got shortened. I I really do. I'm guessing maybe like 10, 12 episodes. I don't think it's going to be sixteen. I really don't. Um, and then I think with Mando, because if you got to think about it, you know we got Mando next year. We got Ahsoka. We got Skeleton Crew. Um, when's Acolyte supposed to come out? Is that 23 or is that 24? I don't because know if they ever really got you... a date or window at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so anyway, so you have those those first three I mentioned. My thing, I think, is I think Mando's going to end up being like your your early spring show. Because save, save Bad Batch is only 10, 12 weeks. You're talking early early... March it's done, then you'll probably wait a month so Mando might may start in April. I'm guessing Skeleton Crew is probably it's gonna be your summer show, like your not not like Andor since Andor's here in oh, September. You think that's gonna come but out before Ahsoka? Go on. Pardon me? You think that's gonna come out before Ahsoka then? Yeah, I think I think one million thousand percent. Really? I think Ahsoka I think Ahsoka's the holiday show. Because we you know we're missing Star Wars for the holiday season, and I think Ahsoka, with it being such a big event type show, because it's basically the Rebels' continuation, I think that's going to end up being the holiday show. Because to me, Skeleton Crew, it's kind of your unknown show, so I think they're going to just put that in summertime and hope for the best, and then. You know, you're going to basically kick off your live-action Disney Plus year with Mando, um, Mando being back, and then Skeleton Crew. Because basically, you know, you'll have Skeleton Crew kind of as your in-between. Like, if people mm-hmm. would be high on Star Wars after Mando, and 
it'll probably be like, oh, let's check out the skeleton crew thing. And no matter whether it's good or bad, and then, you know, then it'll transition into Ahsoka being the holiday show. Like, I'm guessing right now, I think Ahsoka's going to end up being, we're looking at, like, probably, it'll be like how the original Mandalorian season one was, like, early November or so, or late October, mm. early November. It's going to be like your holiday show, probably first week in November through Christmas or something like that. Um, and, yeah, that, that's how I'm thinking it's laid out, because either way, I think next year, you have to have either Ahsoka or the Mandalorian in the holiday spot because that's the biggest time of year when people, I feel like, are really buzzing about Star Wars, like it seems. Yeah, I mean, this year they have Willow, so got to give give them Willow. Yeah. Um, which yeah. I can't I, I haven't watched the original Willow movie, so I'm definitely going to check that out and then watch watch the series. But going back to Bad Batch, and, and, and Milton, I know you'll like to get in on this because... We're getting two episodes. We're getting another double episode. Well, I think it was three episodes for the first premiere. But I like how Disney has responded to the outcry of the fans saying, you know, sometimes one episode for these longer series, it just doesn't give you enough meat on the bones. And, and some people could get turned away if they watch the one episode and not much happens. And they're like, eh, I'm not going to watch any more of this. So it's cool, you know, and are getting three episodes. Obi-Wan getting two episodes. Bad Batch getting two episodes, and I know you're really high on the premiere there, Milton, so are you excited to hear about this actually following suit with the, with more than one episode? Absolutely. I mean, it's just, like, you have to set the tone of your show. Mm -hmm. And again, like, that's why with, and I'll look at it from two aspects. With these small mini-series that are, like, six to eight episodes... You only have a certain amount of time to tell your story, especially if they're limited series. It's not like we're not get, we're not getting, you know, uh, an Arrow ser series that's eight seasons and that's twenty two episodes. We're getting limited series that maybe one or two seasons with eight episodes per. Mm -hmm. So stop telling us, stop giving us these thirty minute episodes that don't really matter because it's like, all right, it's just to us, it's like it's just whatever. You know, that's why I, I enjoyed Mandalorian so much because that first season, even season two. We're getting what forty-five minute episodes, forty-five minute long episodes, minimum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, each episode meant something. They weren't wasting time. You know, like that's why I love. You know, we always refer to this show, Arrow season eight. It was a, ten episodes, or I think, or eleven, and every episode mattered. You know, like it wasn't like oh, let's just make this like a weirdo like freak of the week. It was like no, this episode was leading up to the crisis event. And it made sense. So if you got a mini series that's <clears throat> six episodes or nine episodes, like is it uh Andor? Is that nine or twelve? Is that nine episodes? Uh wait, Andor is like twelve episodes. Oh twelve episodes. Yeah, okay. Andor's twelve. Oh so, yep. so twelve episodes, you need those first three to establish the tone of the show. And it can't be thirty minutes, at least forty five. You know, just to flesh out the characters. There's gonna be a lot of characters in that show. I hate As to break it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I hate I to break it to you, but but we've seen the episode Lance, and they are not nearly that long. What? You were just talking about Andor, Andor. With, with it being at least like 40, 45. Well, there are some episodes that are like what, like 30, 35, basically. Yeah, there's some there's some Milton that are basically <laughs> there's several of the episodes. Like, yeah, this is the the hate to break it to you moment of the podcast, but like. <laughs> There are several episodes that start with uh, threes on the list of Andor 
episodes for runtime like Bro. 35, 35, <laughs> they 34, they and what's scary? They better be the tightest 30 minutes that I've ever seen because and, if, yeah. if, it's some, if, some, if it's some trash where it's like, oh, he just if he's just crying or like running around, I I, I cannot. <laughs> well, Milton, right now when we review that show, the first three episodes, episodes, the the first just just to throw in there real quick, um, just so uh, with your thought points here, the first three episodes, um, Diego Diego Luna said the first three episodes are about two hours, but to me, you know, scale that back maybe. 15 minutes because the credits and stuff. So maybe an hour 45 for the first three just yeah. to throw out there. Which is fine. That's a movie. That, 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 yep. that is mm -hmm. a feature film. Most films. Okay, fine. If that 145 tells me a tight narrative where it establishes what this show is going to be, then I think I might be more forgiving to say, okay, you know what, maybe the next nine episodes will then help enhance it and get us to where we need to get to for season two. Great, mm -hmm. but for Bad Batch in particular, you know, like we said, we had that great premiere of two, three episodes, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this is what the show's gonna be, and then we're getting some of these dookie <laughs> ones with like, uh, who's that person they worked for? What's her name? Sid. Yeah, terrible, terrible. Like you just, it's just, I just hope they learn their lesson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. It's coming, you know. The, the, at least we got something technically in winter this year um when did bad batch come out last i, I forget it's been such a long I thought time it was like what 20 was it sometime in the 20 no it was like 2021 i thought right yeah it was like last summer was, or last last spring yeah it was last uh it was like last springish, i believe yeah, something mm -hmm. like because it was before celebration. It was definitely before cel or before um before it was be way before May the fourth last year because I think we were about at the finale of Bad Batch by the time May the fourth, right around that time period. I think so. It probably would have started in March or so. Mm -hmm. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're already on the topic of Andor, so we had some early reactions come out not reviews but people were able to go on social media they went to a launch event last night i think they've seen four episodes so one extra than we're gonna see next week and the consensus that i've seen is holy crap like the quality of this thing and i you got to put it in perspective these people were basically paid to, well not paid but like they got a free screening they're all hyped up they're all star wars fans so you know, again, take this with a grain of salt, because if you're coming out of an event like that, I've been to events like that where you, you're glowing no matter what. And then you think about it, and you're like, eh, maybe it wasn't that good. But it seems that most people unanimously, whether you believe that or not, um, really like this, really like the show. And they are saying basically it's a slow burn. This is more of like that HBO drama feel, which is something that I've been wanting to see for a while. I mean, a lot of the Star Wars stuff has been that, you know, Mandalorian, like that whiz-bang, straightforward plot line, you know, a lot of action every episode. This is going to be, there's, you know, if you're watching House of the Dragons, it's not action every every 10 minutes even. You know, there's a lot of dialogue, and it seems like that's what's happening with this series, is there's a lot of character-driven moments, a lot of deep dives into the psyche of Andor. Um, but then they do mention that episode 3... I keep seeing stuff about episode three of Andor being like one of the best things that people have seen in Star Wars, period. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see 
who or might what might be showing up in that last episode that they or that third episode that we'll be watching uh on Wednesday night. But basically people are saying this is the first Star Wars property on Disney Plus that it's not going to be an all ages thing. Like there's going to be like your your 8-year-olds, your 10-year-olds, you know what George Lucas like focused Star Wars to be towards. They might not dig this show cuz they're going to look at it and be like it's boring. What's going on here? I'm going to go watch something else. So just keep that in mind because there's been a lot of, you know, the, a lot of the um older generation in in this community has been like I want my like, real gritty adult Star Wars. Well, I think this is basically as close as we're going to get it as of yet right. because uh, Disney Plus, people are saying, in Disney Plus in general, this feels like the most HBO show Disney Plus has made yet. And that's going across right. Marvel and everything else. Well, I mean, I, I would say I would say I'm fine with that just because, I mean, we, we kind of got that with whenever that people don't realize how different, and I'm going to go to another IP, when DC rebooted Batman in 2005 with the um, with the uh, Batman Begins. That you don't see much Batman in that first what 45 minutes, and it's a slow burn because it's very much focused on Bruce Wayne. If you took if you took kids there, if I had a kid at the time, if I had a kid at the time, I brought my child and said, "Hey, let's watch Batman." I guarantee that kid would say, well, "Where's Batman at? He's not in the movie." And I would <laughs> say, "Well, it's it's building his character." No child don't care about that. But then as an adult, we're thinking, oh, we want character. We want story. So I'm totally fine with this because, again, this is kind of made for, like, the older generation, in my opinion. Because we all love the original trilogy. We all loved Rogue One and how it led into A New Hope. So I think with everyone loving, like, Game of Thrones and, you know, The Wire and Sopranos and, again, HBO shows... It would make sense that the older fans would be like, okay, I'm on board with this, and it's different. It's grittier. You know, so I'm fine with it. You're right. Kids won't like it probably, but hey, I don't need you when I'm watching the show. Get out of here. <laughs> as, long as, as long as it's good and it's telling a good story and it's leading where, where we need to get to, yeah, I'm fine with it. You, you can watch it in five years when you're old and mature enough to understand it. Seriously, I think it's important for Disney Plus. I, I, this is a great thing. I mean, we were talking about Marvel Zombies earlier about, hey, that's like as grotesque and gory as they want it to be. It's like the TVMA, TV17, whatever it is. And now we're getting... It's good to see that they are diversifying their audiences. It's not everything on Disney Plus is made for everybody to be able to enjoy. We are getting that segmented content. You know, They put Deadpool, they put... Logan on there, which are hard R-rated, you know, movies. So it's good to see how Disney's kind of letting letting loose a little bit and giving people variety now. That's what I like to see. Agreed. I mean, and that's, oh, yeah. that's how that's how Star Wars should be, you know, and especially with Disney Plus and Disney in general. Like Disney's, it, see, people have this notion that Disney has to be like so kid friendly, which that's their that's their brand, that's their market, you know. Bill Belichick would say, do your job, stick to what you know. <laughs> However, you know what I'm saying? Like, they bought up Fox properties. And they got all the other things. Like, come on. Like, you can now venture off and say, hey, let's give you some of that more PG-13 pushy envelope for Star Wars. Like, we can accept it as fans. We're not going to be weird and say, no, that's too much. As long as you tell a good story and it's a great thing to look at, we'll, we'll accept it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh yeah, like I can agree with um both of you to an extent. I would say I for me personally, I'm super excited for the show. I'm 
I'm excited for all the points you both mentioned, especially you, Milton, like all the, you know, the storytelling, the drama, like, you know, you don't need everything to be like, you know, specifically really relatable for every single age demographic because everything isn't like, you know, if you show a seven-year-old um, like Anakin burning alive in Revenge of the Sith, that might be a little too graphic for a seven. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my big concern with the series, I've been saying it since the start is like, especially when people, you know, started talking about like the slow burn and that sort of thing is, are we going to get the carry carryover that say book of Boba Fett did that, um, even Kenobi did to an extent, like the, the whole slow talk of the show, like the slow burn, like the, the slow burn in a bad way. Because, like, sure, the story may be intriguing and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I always say the story is important. Like, execution, execution, execution. Like, that is the number one priority. If you execute a good story, fans should, in theory, like it. But my concern with it is, you know, like, say with the Book of Boba Fett. You have people that were so riled up that it wasn't very exciting compared to, like, say, The Mandalorian, the Mandalorian Season 1. And like I think, I think there's a chance that this show is gonna really work for like us. Almost, what's the expression? Like inside baseball, Star Wars fans, like the Star Wars fans that really appreciate the good storytelling inside of Star Wars. But my concern is for like the wide general audience, like say like the sixty percent of people, the seventy percent of people. Is it gonna be? too much too much storytelling where it's going to be like man this isn't action-packed enough this isn't cute enough with grogu this isn't you know comparing it to say the mandalorian season this isn't that so like i think that's my concern and i hope well i'm, I'm glad they're doing a season two like that's that you know we already know that's coming so like at least we're going to be getting two seasons of it because my concern with it is will say feedback from maybe general audiences potentially sway them from not doing more serious storytelling opportunities which we you know we as hardcore fans we appreciate and enjoy it but will the general audience maybe not respond to that versus like you know like you mentioned chris like your episode to episode action adventure with with din and growth yeah so there's i mean they get you know if you want that it's still on disney plus that's what i have to say and and star wars can be yep. a la carte and you could just go ahead and pick what you want you do not have to digest everything and then you were talking about this before but about like oh yeah how star wars differs from Mar marvel cinematic universe well now with the marvel cinematic universe if you're not watching wandavision then you're not getting a full picture of doctor strange and if you're not watching moon knight then you're not going to get something in the future when he shows yep. up so that is very much detached, and that, that can be a letdown for Marvel fans. We're like, eh, I didn't feel like seeing that thing, and now I have to feel like I have to watch it, even though that's not my genre, that's not my bag. Whereas in Star Wars, it's like, hey, if you don't want to watch Andor, it's not going to affect how you watch Mandalorian. They are completely two separate things, and that could be a positive yep. boon uh, when it comes to Star Wars. But I so, do... Oh, go ahead, Milton. So you're saying that, pretty much you're saying that, Milton, you need to watch Miss Marvel then. I am, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> oh yeah, for the Marvels, yeah, you're gonna have to watch it. But it's good, it's good wholesome. Freaking... Yeah, I might, I might just read about it. 
Well, you just really have to see Bill, the last just watch scene a, of the whole just, show just, and just, you'll be all right. Just watch a 10-minute spoiler review. <laughs> there you go. Uh, before we get into our two trailer breakdowns, there was another update on the upcoming Disney Channel show that's going to be based in the High Republic. And that is called the Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures. They cast Jamal Avery Jr. as Kai Brightstar and Emma Berman as Nash Durango. Um, and they also put out the first like concept art slash uh, poster of these. So we actually get to see what they look like. Again, this is aimed for kids that are in preschool. So, you know, it's not worth getting hot and bothered over this because it's frankly not for most of us out there. Although I will... Yeah. I will at least try to watch one episode and see if I could get through it just to say I watched it. Um, but it is in the High Republic, and I really like the High Republic. So I'm I'm curious if they do have Easter eggs and where it is in the High Republic. But yeah, you got Yoda there. You got a cool droid thing, little droid creature and some like little blue koala bear thing with a jet with a with a lightsaber. So that thing that thing is cool. And I want to see what the heck that thing is about. It looks like a little care bear thing with with a lightsaber. But I like the artwork. It's it's cool. It's cute. You know, it's everything says has big heads. Kinda kinda similar to Clone Wars vaguely. At least the Yoda kind of looks like it. But yeah, I mean Yoda's gonna be in there. I don't know who's gonna be voicing Yoda. Um so that that'll be interesting. That's coming out in 2023. But we finally got an acknowledgement of Tales of the Jedi. And that has not been delayed. That is still coming out this year. Specifically, it is coming out on October 26th with all episodes coming out the day of October 26th. So we will be very busy. Um, we probably won't even break this down. There's an, I won't even be able to watch those episodes in time for the podcast. So... We'll probably have a first impressions thing, and then the following week we'll be able to watch. Uh, we'll be able to review it, like, what is it, the first week of November or something. We'll, we'll have our full-fledged deep dive. That's crazy. Like, we've never on this channel, like, reviewed, well, next to Visions, but this is a little different because I think these are going to be longer, the Visions, and these all tell, like, a story. Yeah. I, I honestly think, though, um, by, by the way, I've heard him talk about it. It sounds like describe it it's going to be like kind of like vision i think it's going to be like 10 to 15 episodes well I, I, yeah you know I, what i, think I so literally was here and wa was there watching the first episode yes it's about 15 minutes long and you're right like we could like stretch it out and do like one episode a week review one episode a week and we'd be fine because they aren't interconnected from what I could tell. I don't know. I've, I've only watched the first episode. Maybe the first episode with Ahsoka as a baby, cool. something factors into the next episode somehow. I can't confirm that hey, or guys, whatever. That... But... Yeah, hey guys, that's a thing for us maybe. Um, you know, hey, here, we're, here we are talking our podcast schedule for months away. But, but um, you know, that can be a fun thing for us to do leading up to the Bad Batch in January. Yeah. So anyway, let's take a crack at some of these <laughs> cool shots from this trailer because there's a lot of things that I've specifically seen that got me kind of intrigued starting out with this shot of, I don't know, these people holding candles, but it looks like it's um at the, at the funeral, maybe, of Padme? It is. Wow. So I don't know what this... I don't know where this she is was gonna there. take place. So, so she was there. Ahsoka was so the one of the shots that because I went back and watched this a oh, couple times. Okay. So there's another shot of her like in a cloak, 
and like she's she's there at the funeral watching. <gasps> Holy crap, that's huge! Interesting. Yeah, so here's like, another. If you go back, go back and shot. rewatch it. You be like, because oh. like they they shot it. It looks just like Revenge of the Sith scene. Those animals. Then, yep. Like, yeah, and then you look. I'm like, okay, I'm like, because I'm thinking like, what the hell? And I had to go back and look, and it's a pregnant Padme looking. And then when they cut to Ahsoka, like she's in the crowd but covered up. I'm thinking she's at that funeral watching, knowing like, oh, like something happened clearly to Padme, and then you know, obviously something happened to Anakin. She's probably thinking. So yeah, and the Jedi are being hunted. This is great because this will prove like an epilogue to Revenge of the Sith in a way. This episode, because we know each episode is going to be a different moment in her life. We know that there's an, one of her as an infant. There's one of her with phase one clones with Obi-Wan with long hair. So that's like directly after Attack of the Clones. And then we know we'll see later about this Inquisitor. So after, obviously, Revenge of the Sith. So we have these three different things and three, three different timelines for, for Dooku as well. But, yeah, I was not expecting to see this, that's for sure. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, that's a good uh, catch there. And like you said, Chris, the cool... That, that was one of the best parts, I think, about um, the Clone Wars coming back in general was how it added to Revenge of the Sith. Like, you know, it added to the Order 66 sequence. Like, this adds to the Padme funeral sequence, like, a lot, honestly. Yeah, this next shot here is of Count... Dooku, and he's a Jedi, but he is looking at that Jedi tree, um, that that infamous Jedi tree that, you know, it's got so much mystery shrouded behind it. I think it still exists in the High Republic at that point, like 150 years, 200 years before, but yeah, I mean, a, a good old spry young young Dooku, and I feel like he's such a uh, underrated character. I mean, it was because of him that he basically got together the confederacy of independent nations right. or systems whatever so this whole so i know we get a lot of dooku in this particular series or i guess trailer seeing him throughout this whole trailer made me like him even more i don't know why like dooku's a bad guy we all know that but he's kind of an anti-hero to us in a lot of ways like dude, they make him look so badass in his trailer like <laughs> oh my god because like you can tell like Dooku was conflicted. You can tell he was conflicted in this trailer, like just as a Jedi in general. And because he came from royalty, right? Is that that his background? Oh, yeah, Sereno. You got to so, listen to, uh, and I, I recommend both of you listen to the Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama uh, written by the Kavan Scott, who now does the High Republic stuff. Like, I'm going to go ahead and re listen to that for sure because that. Is pl I'm going to see how that directly connects to these because it takes place at the same time. It's him and he's falling from the Jedi. It doesn't have him turn into the Sith per se, but it's him leaving the Jedi Order. Uh, and it's got the uh, guy that ordered the clones. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Sifo Diaz. That's it. Yeah, Sifo Diaz oh. is in there. You got young Qui-Gon in there. So I'm very curious to oh. see how they insert that. I remember that in, there. in the Darth Plagueis novel, they, they discussed this too because he. He has a conversation with Palpatine, like after Palpatine wins the election. So, so they do discuss kind of this in the Darth Plagueis novel, hmm. and I and I'll never forget that scene. So it's pretty much, I think it's around the time, it's before he wins the election. Like it's around like that time, and he meets with Palpatine. Just he's like, you know, nice to meet you, blah 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about going back and and uh, getting my title. Blah, and he's like, why? And he explains it to him. He's like, the Jedi pretty much is on their BS, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, I didn't realize that he 
was looking to do this. And it makes so much sense. And I hope they tie that into this like particular show. Yeah, it's very, it's very curious because in a recent um, comic book, or no, not a comic book, the young adult novel that uh, I really can't recommend, which is the Star Wars Jedi Padawan book with the Obi-Wan going on that crazy <laughs> adventure with the, the God-giving power of the trees and all that. Anyway, in the beginning of the book, there's there's Dooku. Dooku has left the Jedi Order, but Dooku keeps, he's still friendly enough with the Jedi at that point. To go to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant and like hang out with people, even though he's not a, technically part of their, you know, Jedi Council anymore. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see like more in depth, like because yeah, again, like I said, he is an overrated character or underrated character. Getting oh, yeah. without oh, yeah. question, without question. Oh yeah, go ahead, Ben. Oh yeah, no, I was gonna say I just echo both your guys' points. Dooku, I think, is one of the most underrated characters in Star Wars, and for me. Honestly, um, like, I think, you know, of course the Ahsoka stuff is nice and all, but, like, we've seen so much of Ahsoka, and we're getting an Ahsoka show. Like, to me, the most exciting part of this entire Tales of the Jedi is the Count Dooku stuff. And that's what I'm most excited for. So, if you thought you didn't see enough of Ahsoka in different moments of her life, well, you're going to get to see her as an infant in Tales of the Jedi. Now, this is the episode i seen. I won't talk too much about it because I know people are sensitive about spoilers. I'm one of those included. But what I will say is you get... The, and they say this in the trailer, basically. It's like you get to see her being discovered as a Jedi. So it's pretty cool seeing the, the latent Force ability in a infant that has the power of the Force. Being able to connect with the wildlife. Being able... To have that relationship with her mother, there's this really cool like mother-daughter bond and in which the mother is showing her something that's really pivotal to their lifestyle, their community, the Togruta that live on this planet and what it takes to survive. Like it's it's pretty harsh out there and kids have to grow up fast. So that's all I'll say about this one, because I've already seen it, but I'll throw it to you guys. I mean, like it's it's nice to see that she had a somewhat of a relationship i mean that you always talk about dogmatic narrow view of the jedi about how they don't believe in you know connection and attachment but clearly she had that at some point um which is a good thing so it'd be nice to explore that ben oh yeah yeah de definitely i mean i i think um the cool thing also with all of the uh the ahsoka and her mother stuff is just the fact that the uh, the mom is getting played by the girl from Battlefront Two. I think that's a cool little yeah. little Easter egg in there. Janina but, uh, but yeah, it'll be yep. Her. It, it'll be really cool just seeing like that little relate that relationship build up, and you know it'll help just add a little bit more to the character we all know and love. Mm -hmm. Here's another image of Ahsoka in her Clone Wars heyday. Right, she doesn't have the two sabers; she just has the one. But it's cool seeing that revamped quality of what we see from the Bad Batch expressed in another Clone Wars story. So I just got nostalgic, I guess I could say, for just seeing good old Ahsoka back in her snips days, if you will. Was this the oh, scene yeah. from the training part of the show? Or yeah. the, the trailer? See, I love this is probably one of my favorite um, scenes because obviously we get to see Anakin. We get to see, I think, uh, Obi-Wan with the mullet at one point, yeah. which is dope. I did not, I did not like, looking for. I did not think that was going to be done, but I loved 
Anakin's line to her. He's like, I'm trying to pretty much teach you how to, like, be a warrior and just never give up or whatever he says. And, like, he's like, again. Again. Like, he's pushing her. And she makes, she says a line that she says, I'm done fighting or something. I think that's a misdirect. Because I think they wanted to think that she's done fighting, like, against like, the Empire or whatever. I think that's during that scene whenever he's training her up. Like, because she looks exhausted. <laughs> Yeah, very yeah, much could I, be. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, like you said too, Chris, um, you know, it brings back some nostalgia for her in her early years. And, uh, you know, of course, the training, like, to me, the biggest highlights from this trailer was, like, the Dooku stuff and then the training, the Anakin and her training stuff. Like, that was awesome. And I'm I'm really excited to see these these scenes play out. Oh, this the, I love the framing and again the Bad Batch uh, team for the lighting and the ambiance that they give to some of these. This is a great image of Dooku and, and Qui Gon just standing there in the doorway, the light shining down over them. It's just like, man, the Padawan and the Master, right? Just yeah. good old Jedi and how they behave. Again, we haven't really seen a lot of on-screen, if any, on-screen content before the Phantom Menace. I'm just happy to see how Jedi are portrayed. Again, I love the High Republic. I showed you guys the upcoming books. I want to see how the Jedi portrayed uh, pre-war, before the Clone Wars, before the stuff of Trade Federation. What's going on in the galaxy? What is the everyday life? What is the everyday kind of average mission that a master would be taking her Padawan on? And it feels like we're going to get that here. Uh, I mean, they should be pretty much like the old Wild Wild West sheriffs. Like, they're going around to make sure everything's okay and securing the peace. I mean, that's what they were, Guardians of Peace. Um, is Liam Neeson voicing uh, Qui-Gon? Mm -hmm. Yep, him and his son. They're going to yep. switch off roles, apparently. Love it. I love it. See, that's see, that's what's dope. That is actually the good thing about Star Wars and how technology and filmmaking has changed. Like, these actors aren't too good enough to not do voiceover anymore. Like, you know, back in the day, they'd be like, oh, no, I'm not doing TV. I'm mm -hmm. doing movies. Oh, no, you can make a killing doing voiceover and just have that continuity of knowing that Liam Neeson is Qui-Gon Jinn verbally, dope. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's 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 one of the... Um, I keep saying that's one of the best parts about this series, but it is. It's really cool that they that they're able to get Liam Neeson to do it because... Like you mentioned, Milton, if you rewind this to say, uh, say 2002, like if you'd have been like, "Hey, Liam Neeson, can you, can you do this?" He probably would have laughed this out of the out of the room, you yeah. know. So it's 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 great that he's back with it, and I think it's just like actors realizing how popular Star Wars is as a whole. Like, I mean, look, Liam Neeson came back to play him um, Qui Gon in the Kenobi series. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that doesn't happen 10, 15 years ago. Like, now it's... I think a lot of it, like, these actors know... You know, sure, it's great to, like, go and star and say a um, Oscar-worthy serious movie or whatever. But, like, when the actors are, like, to, like, build the relationships with the fans and stuff, you know, they get into... They, you know, they're willing to come back to these movies like Star Wars, like, like the DC stuff, like Marvel, like these things. And, you know, the fans really appreciate it. And, you know, the actors, like... You know that everybody wants to be loved, and like the actors, I'm sure they're like, "Oh man, this is so cool!" Like fans are excited for me coming back. Yeah, next shot here. I want to pull this one because I'm always a big fan of just any kind of trooper 
variant, and it's nice seeing the phase ones back at the early part of the War of the Clones. Uh, just seeing these guys coming back, and you know, we got that great book earlier in the year with Star Wars Brotherhood, which literally takes place like a week after Anakin gets married and after like the Clone Wars start and all that. So it'll be nice to see, and I know we're gonna get that that Captain Rex. So maybe we'll see like Captain Rex for the first time or something in the timeline. I, that could be interesting. I mean, that'd be that'd be cool. I mean, this be an opportunity for it. You know, I think I think we need to see how this series goes. I'm sure this. I think this will be a hit. I think it will be popular, just like Visions was. Where I think they may branch off to tell other mini stories of oh, Jedi. So we so, so we so we could get. Uh, we could get you know a uh, tales of the Jedi about let's say Obi Wan. Or Anakin, or um, who's the blue? What Plo Koon or um, Luminara and Dooley? Oh my! Or yeah, is that Luminara? Luke, you know, or like Alice who's the, purple, the blue chick who's with the, blue the, the tentacle? Wait, who? Hottie, the the Hottie Jedi who had the blue Alice Sakura. Oh yes, Alice Sakura. And that's a good yeah. thing with with Alice Sakura. You would get the master, her master, who is Quinlan Voss. That'd be freaking yes. awesome. I'm saying, so I th- I think we need this show to be good. And I think yeah, please, the everybody, animators... watch the hell out of this show. Yes, Do facts, it. Facts. <laughs> and with this being the Clone Wars animation style and everyone loving Clone Wars, I think if this is a hit, we can get other spinoffs of like Tales of the Jedi every you know? single That'd year. Higher. For yeah. well, here's the end my of days. yeah. Well, well, here's my thing with the whole Tales of the Jedi series. Since Filoni's doing it, you know, I think what they should do is just make it kind of be an indefinite series where basically he can just do this series in his downtime, like between the live-action projects, like between Mando, between Ahsoka. Oh, hey, Dave, you don't have anything on your schedule for all of 2023 or whatever. At, you know, since Ahsoka will be out, you know, he won't be working on Ahsoka in, you know, you know 2023. So, hey, get started on the next season of Tales of the Jedi and Basically, you know, you have all the credentials, so do whatever you want. And, like, I think this could be a, a good, almost, like, um, like, like, passion project for Dave Filoni because, you know, it would, it would give him, you know, so much creative leeway because you're not strapped to a certain, se- like, you know, season one did the, these stories. Oh, wait, no. You know, season two, we can just go to the different era or we can go to a different character. Like, you know, we don't have to stick to certain things and i think filoni you know this could just be like an indefinite ongoing star wars show right i agree and here's the thing though too if, if i had and i knew you mentioned luke earlier if i had to pick a couple jedi characters that they can focus on that we really have no idea what happened in certain timelines i want to see luke after um empire strikes back for that year what was he oh. doing for that year, like to get better in training? Well, that's where we you got know. the we got the Marvel comics, but they could always piece in a whole story in there somewhere. Facts. That's what I'm saying. You like, know. give it to Filoni. Yeah. Give, give give him the character of Luke, which he's never touched. Give me a You're seven. You're right. He hasn't really character. touched him. Yeah. He never touched Luke. Give me a seven episode Tales of the Jedi of Luke between that time period. I think he would kill it. Then flash forward to Kylo Ren. I know we oh. got the Kylo Ren comics. Give us like that at, when he joins uh, Snoke. What was he doing during yeah. the time he joined Snoke? Yeah, like, I would love I, that. Because, dude, I'm telling you. And then post, you know, um, Rise of Skywalker, you can go either Ray or mm-hmm. your boy Finn. Uh, Finn, Finn. Finn. 
know what I'm saying? Like, or, or, or the broom kids. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, well, here, here's another fun way to, another fun thing even Filoni could do. Like, all of Filoni's stories, in my opinion, have been really positive. Like, in terms of, like, I would say, like, a creative challenge for him. Okay, we did Tales of the of the Jedi. Why not next season, season two, be Tales of the Sith? And you focus on one episode of Darth Bane, one episode of Darth Vader, one episode of Darth Plagueis. Like, you know, all these different people. Like, I feel like there's so, like, big, like, there's such a big creative net you could go with, like, the Tales of the Blank. Like, you could, you could do so many cool stories with it. And with it being a smaller animated series where you can just get it done in one release, they could just, you know, just basically do it almost in your free time in between your live action projects. Yeah. So this next image here, I speculated maybe this could be Sereno, which is the home planet of Count Dooku. Um, we learn a little bit about his family again in Dooku Jedi Lost Awesome Audio Drama. I like the design of these characters. Um, remember, we're so used to seeing like battle droids as the nemesis, but having humanoid figures and the human connection with you know Jedi not killing, I think that's gonna be quite fascinating. Yeah, it could be. I, I, I agree. I think it could be. I mean, I think this whole show has an opportunity to show us different aspects of the Jedi that we probably aren't aware of or we have we have little knowledge of. So it has that potential. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, we have a young Qui-Gon here. So this is this is neat. I mean you got it they got his likeness down, man. This is freaking awesome. Oh gosh, um, yeah. he look yeah, that's definitely uh, your boy Liam Neeson without question. Like, I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing yeah, like how he gets his like own headspace with like him being a maverick Jedi as we see how he's different from everybody else. We see him in this trailer. He's like shouting after Dooku. Like he sees his master just like getting ready to just like tear these guys apart. And he's like, wait, you know, <laughs> so he's got a conscious. Here's, here's the thing though. This animation looks so good. Like I, I would watch a full like two and a half hour movie of this. Yeah. Like, honest to God. Like, oh, we, yeah, but... like, this is this is great. Like the animation, I could see people getting turned off by this, you know, twenty years ago. But man, like this looks, this is high quality. Like like that's Sam Jackson to me right there. That's Christopher Lee. I'm saying We gotta talk about about Dooku's lightsaber because oh my gosh, the blue with that hilt and how he's twirling it around. Like, I want to see more of Dooku in his prime. We've seen the guy in his, like, 80s in Attack of the Clones, and he was still kicking ass. Like, like can you imagine how much ass he's going to kick in his, yeah. like, prime time, you know? Facts. Like, well, he, he, is... he was busting He was busting the uh, the asses of those uh, three Night Sisters when he was blind, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Heck, you, know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's why I keep telling like, Dooku, like, he, they, they talk about it. He's, like, one of the best duelists of all time. Like imagine him yep. in his prime when he's when he's what, what gotta be what fifty here, mm-hmm. fifty, and that's in his prime. Imagine when he's in his twenties wrecking people. Oh my gosh! Like it's crazy. Yeah, we got these. I, I mentioned before. Oh yeah, it's just humanoids. But no, we do have droids. Now I'm curious to see what model these are. are these mercenary droids. Are these gonna be just the the average droid that mercenaries buy in those days? You know, this is this cool design. I like it's very aggressive. Looking different kind of blasters, the red eyes. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I think it looks great. I, I mean, they're very different. I've never seen these droids before. I wasn't expecting to see him. So we got Bail Organa. I'm guessing this is like the post Order 66 image here of uh, or the story arc there of, hey, we're going to see early seeds of the rebellion. You know, we got the Ahsoka novel written by Kay Johnson. Uh, which has a lot of bail in it at the end, at the end of the book. Like that's where Ahsoka becomes fulcrum for Bail Organa and joins like the nascent uh, Rebel Alliance at that point. Um, so yeah, we got you know we got Jimmy Smith in a lot of things. We got him in Obi Wan. We got him in what I expect to be in Andor, and we'll have him in here. So I'm assuming he's going to be voicing him. Hopefully, I don't know if he voiced him in yeah. the Clone Wars. He didn't in Clone Wars, but I mean, let's be real here. You just you just did Kenobi. I'm saying like, come on, my man. You probably and if he's in Andor, you know he's gonna do it. And well, no, he is in Andor, right? And then mm -hmm. you know, you might as well just do the voice. It don't it don't really cost you nothing. It probably paid you good money to do it. So go ahead. Yeah. Playing, Jimmy. I mean, I, I'm sure they probably were like, hey, here's a here's a twenty thousand dollar check. Go read go read fifty lines for us real quick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like that—that's the thing. I, uh, I don't know. I feel like, like, it'll be cool seeing his part in it, just because. I feel like it's going to be another one of those kind of Padme mirroring scenes. Like, it's going to maybe put in perspective a different scene from Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. You know, with with him, like maybe before a scene or after a scene. Like, maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe. Before he was heading to the temple, he or something, or maybe, or maybe shortly after, like you know, he contacted us, um, you know, and so on and so on. Like I think there's a, a lot of more like movie additions that are going to happen in this series, like this. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th I think it's gonna be really good. And then another little thing to throw out there: talk about Liam Neeson's likeness. Whenever they do Jimmy Smith's in animation, I think they nail his likeness. Like he looks perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Here's a shot that I think you're referencing before, Millen. And now that I'm looking at it for a little bit longer, I can see there's that light from a candle. So yeah, this is this is gonna be sad, man. Ahsoka and Padme were best buds, and just her being there on Naboo at that ceremony right. is it's gonna be a little bit but of a now. Yeah, this, this scene right here, which I mean, I believe I think I know what it is. It's now going to enhance Revenge of the Sith's ending. Like you know, what I'm mm -hmm. saying like. That's good, mother. I was about to drop an f bomb. That's good, mother effing <laughs> storytelling. Because like, like that's how you should do it. You should you have these like the the Clone Wars have made the prequels so much better. And I I mm -hmm. love the prequels prior to Clone Wars, but this one scene that's great storytelling. Because now I can you know whenever I continue to watch Star Wars with my friend, I can say hey. The scene that you've seen here, this is actually an animation form. This is how it actually looks now. Like and like, how dope is that? And I can might get that person to watch the animations now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's something else. But let's see, let's see, let's see. We got this here. This is just a random location. I don't know if there's any significance of this. It's like hmm. What's there? I don't know. I've never seen that location. Is it in the works? Who knows? But you got a gunship, so it's it's in the Clone Wars. That's all I know about it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really ain't nothing special. So, I, look. I'm, <laughs> it gunship. looks good. Like, like, like it looks said. good. 
<laughs> yeah. But, I mean, come on. Another Anakin, Ahsoka. Remember, remember months ago, Matt Lanner was like, yeah, I've recorded voice work. It's like, Hal, you're dead. How are you going to record voice work in Star Wars? Little did we know we were going to get a Clone Wars episode again, or a couple of them. Looks great. And Matt Lancer's that dude. Like he he is Anakin. Him and Hayden, they're both Anakin. Like it's just they're 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 intermixed when it comes to that character, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. Like they're like he added so much to that character. Um, in my opinion, I think one of the best parts about him playing Anakin, it's like you know he almost sounds like Hayden to a degree. You know, like you can just hear like when you listen to his voice or when you listen to Hayden talk, like. It, it's almost interchangeable at this point, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Next up here. This is great. Obi-Wan with the freaking mullet. Love it. And you got Yoda just sitting there, like, giving him the stink eye. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Kind of thing. No, I mean, like I said, I was surprised to see that. I didn't expect that. I think it's a good look, you know, how they animated it. Again, I think it's very film feature type of work. So, again, I, I if, if they want to reanimate the, the, the movies like this, Ooh. I'd watch them again. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. George, I mean, George Lucas, the, them. The cool thing edition. is, too, with the movies, you could, you know, you can easily, I mean, you just lift the lines. Like, you literally just take the audio straight up and just animate it scene by scene, basically. <laughs> oh man is it too soon because we just seen this guy dead in Obi-Wan <laughs> we have Terrace Anube in front of the coffin of somebody now this is cool so this is way back in the day we got we got a young Dooku who who the heck is going to be in the coffin is it Saifa Diaz who is it no, it's got to be way before that. No, 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 no way it can be him. Um, but I'm curious. Are we, are we gonna? Are we perhaps gonna see somebody getting killed by a Sith, and then maybe like Dooku's trying think... to investigate, and then they end up they just don't know how he ended up dead or whoever ended up dead. I, I think, I, I think with the whole Dooku thing. Okay, so this is this is my on it. I think person they found body. You know, you're having a little coffin, him in a coffin funeral, and it's like it's kind of that whole thing, you know, oh crap, I did it, and everybody's standing right here around me type deal. Like I think it's going to be something like that. You know, like where we see Dooku's actual fall potentially. Okay. All right, all right. Another cool one here. This one is awesome. So when I first seen this trailer, Celebration, I was like, oh my God, are they, are they doing an old Republic story? Because the way this character looks, you could totally understand it. You know, I've played enough old Republic in my life, the MMO, to know that's definitely more of an old Republic type of mask helmet, if I've ever seen one. But there is the Imperial logo on on the shoulder so that's definitely a very flashy inquisitor i'm looking forward to it and i don't know if they're going to retroactively like retcon 
the story with Ahsoka in that book I mentioned before because she does take out an Inquisitor and then bleeds his lightsaber to give her the white lightsabers. So I'm almost kind of like a little bit nervous here because I could just see like people going nuts again like they did with the Kanan and the Bad Batch if they do that. But Dave Floaty's done it once, so what's stopping him from doing it again? I think live, you know, the, the on-screen content is always going to trump the page content that's just how it is even though everything's part of one continuity if something's got to give it's going to be to give to the to the on-screen content but with that being said i mean what's your thoughts on this design ben yeah i mean i like you like you mentioned at first i was like oh man old republic and then i noticed the logo and i was like oh wait okay so so the same era but um but yeah i i think it should be pretty interesting i didn't i uh i forgot about that whole ahsoka story to begin with so i feel like we're i mean this is probably where ahsoka is getting her her white lightsaber so uh you know i it's probably they're probably going to be telling maybe i don't know maybe they kind of off adapt that story on screen maybe um maybe you'll get something like that but uh yeah it should be a pretty cool story and i'm sure the lightsaber duel duel will probably be pretty epic between the two, though. Oh yeah, this guy looks badass. That's all, <laughs> that's all I know. Like he looks dope. Like, this this makes me want to be a Sith. Certainly does. We got Yaddle. We got Yaddle. And actually, I don't think Yaddle was in that previous shot. Maybe Yaddle gets killed. I don't know. Right with all the Jedi. Maybe. Possibly. Because you look at this last shot. Yaddle versus Dooku. He'd probably get wrecked, maybe, right? Who? You would think. You would think Dooku would get wrecked by... I mean, I would assume, like, Yoda and Yaddle just... Like, they, they're both the same, like, type of fighter. Skill... Yeah, so I I wasn't expecting. I didn't see this like the first two, three times I watched the trailer. I did not see them fighting. This is the the ultimate thing here. I was like, what? Okay, like what's going on? Because I I was always wondering about that mystery. Like, why do we not see Yaddle after Phantom Menace? I, again, I don't think it's that point because I don't think you're gonna see him gray that much from ten years. But we could be wrong. Maybe he is in his like sixties at this point. He just. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. See. Yeah, so that is basically yeah, all I the mean, things that I got from the Tales of the Jedi trailer that were interesting for me. Um we're gonna move along right into the Mandalorian season three teaser trailer. So right here we got a gauntlet fighter. Now the gauntlet fighters, uh and, you know, they got some you can buy for the X Wing min X Wing miniature game. I love the ambiance. I love the smoke effects. Um, just to give you context, when did Mandalorian Season 2 come out? Was that 2020? I think so. I don't remember. So they will um, have had... Yeah. They will have had two years to work on this series. So, you know, we talk about Mandalorian, or we talk about Lucasfilm not having a movie to push out, but they got a world-class TV series that they're putting out. So... You know, hopefully they put that kind of budget into this. And from what I've seen so far and what we'll look at, it definitely seems like they have 
really upped the scope of this show more than anything else. Um, this next shot here looks like Mando is on Mandalore. We got that hint in the Book of Boba Fett that he's going to have to go to Mandalore to kind of reclaim his uh, honor for removing his helmet. And we know that Mandalore has seen some hard times over the last couple of years. Yeah, it was destroyed from my understanding, right? Yeah, it was bombed by like thousands. You see like a little flashback. There was like literally thousands of TIE bombers. Just they don't have a Death Star anymore, but they can sure as heck send in a lot of ordnance. And well, they seem to do the job pretty well. What about you? Uh, what about you, Ben? What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think we were kind of guessing this when we ended Mando season two. Like, we had to come to Mandalore at some point, and that's going to be what we're going to be getting a lot of. Like, him going to Mandalore for this mission. I mean, the voiceover um, of the armor is basically saying that in this trailer. So, um, so yeah, I think we're going to have a lot. Like, we're going to have probably gonna be a heavy dose of mandalore if i had to guess like you know say if there's eight episodes maybe maybe four maybe four of the episodes are on mandalore itself could be this next shot gave me a lot of nostalgia for attack of the clones because anything within it with like high flying fast moving ships through an asteroid field gets me gets me thinking that way and well last time we seen that mando was flying his razor crest well he was struggling to fight against like one random ass bounty hunter. Here we see his multiple ships as he's weaving through the asteroids and he's got a ship that's a lot more maneuverable. So for me, this is pretty cool. I mean, it all goes really back to the Empire Strikes Back and then moves from there. It's like there's always such good action sequences involving asteroids in Star Wars and this looks like it could be one of those. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a gorgeous shot. Like I, it's it's well done for what we can just quickly see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I mean, but like you mentioned, it's just um, you know, we, we get these shots in Star Wars, whether it be Attack of the Clones or Empire Strikes Back, and it's nice getting them like not rehashed, but you know, visiting familiar areas like to our you know to our like basically reference points for these new shows and new shots. And like, that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested to see like what that's about. I, I feel like maybe, maybe that's an early part of the show. Like where we saw man from the book of Boba. Hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, we have Mr. Dad chiming in on the chat. Is there any media besides rebels that covers what happens to Mandalore after the clone wars? No, there is literally nothing. There's nothing in the books, nothing in the comics out there right now. Um, they are keeping a lid quite tight um, on that whole storyline. Anything with Mandalorian, they just do not even give anybody the chance to write about it or anything like that. Bouncing into the next one, we got who thinks she is? Mandalore herself, maybe. Bo Katan. I was just saying about how they did a thorough job with bombing this place. Now, either they rebuild it or this palace is like indestructible because Bo-Katan is in a similar location that we see in the Clone Wars a couple times. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, this is setting up Bo-Katan as being the villain this season. I mean, 
A lot of us speculated that could be what happens when, you know, we see the tension between Mando and Bo-Katan in that finale episode for season two. Technically, he can't just give her the Darksaber. He doesn't really care about the Darksaber. But they're basically have to duel for it. Um, So, again, this is pretty mind-blowing. Seeing animation locations in live action with, like, not losing anything in translation. Oh, it's it's a it's look. This scene's dope. It's gorgeous. I like how it's lit. I mean, this looks like this looks straight taken out of Clone Wars. Like, I I just hope it is what we think it is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I definitely I, I definitely think this is going to be uh, one of the biggest parts of the season. It's going to be either either we're going to have some really awesome stuff with boat. You know, we could be getting set up um, as you know, just kind of like a setup, but. I think they're trying to like set it up where Bo-Katan's the villain. Like I think, you know, we're going to be getting her maybe power hungry early on, but there's got to be a greater threat though, right? Like mm, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe skin. she's just the straight up villain. <laughs> Could be. And we see that Din has some allies. He's got some Mandalorian buddies now. I would find it cool if they actually got Mando Mercs, you know, that go to the conventions, that go to the different charity events, the the nonprofit organizations, some of the 501st, where you got these costumers that make their own costumes. I think I remember hearing something, I don't know if Ben or Milton, they heard like Mando Mercs might have been like on location. That'd be so cool. They've already did it with the 501st in the season finale for season one, getting 501st people in their, their own costumes. So. I could totally see it because I see people with these kind of costumes around Comic Con all the time. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't speak sure, that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard it was it was. I think some of the Mando works for this um, that were involved with this project. So you know, and like you said, you have other Mando buddies, and you know. We obviously are breaking down the the, um, the imagery, but it's also worth noting like the audio, the voiceover between the armor talking and Bo Katan talking, and like you know the conversation that's going on over the trailer. Like as we're going through this, is you know you basically have Bo Katan saying you know talking about Mando's like group of Mandalorians, aka the Death War. Like you know she's talking about them in a bad way. And I bet you that's what leads to our conflict between him and her. Like, you know, you have her saying stuff about him, and then that's what's going to build it up. Because there has to be some line in the sand drawn, and I think it's going to come down to their belief systems. Yeah, she's talking about how, oh yeah, you were basically in this cult, and you didn't help, and all this stuff. Yeah, there's literally drama going on in this show now. It's getting a lot more complex and what's getting more complex with his own outfits as he does every season is none other than grief carga and i feel like this location gets more opulent with each season that goes by right well you got navarro which you know has been ridden of the empire so they're able to bask in the glory of free trade once again i'm guessing not having to deal with the empire's remnant and well we see what happens and it's always great to see the warm welcome that uh, Mando always gives uh, Grief Cargo whenever they meet. The, the good old like handshake they go to, but uh, oh yeah, it's it's great. It's great seeing them again. He's he's a guy you can always count on seeing in these Mandalorian episodes, even if it's only one episode. Hopefully, he's in more than one episode this season. 
Yeah, he looks like a black Southern Baptist bishop in, in that outfit. <laughs> just saying. Like, he's got a big old, like, preacher robe on. Oh, yeah. He, he does. Go and, like... Better go preach a sermon. Just, oh, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely does. Like, Car- Carl Weathers, he is another one. In my opinion, he, him and John Carlos Esposito are both right up there with, like, Mark Hamill in terms of, like, you know, talking with the fans. Like, they always have such a good vibe on stage when they're talking, and Carl Weathers is, like, right there with them. Man, oh, man, this is a shot that I know you warned me about, uh, Ben, but I didn't want to watch the trailer because I wanted to see this thing for real. And this is uh, what could very well be the Eclipse-class Star Destroyer that was first appeared in the Star Wars Legends epic uh miniseries which was dark empire which you know they pulled a lot of stuff out of that for the rise of skywalker so it seemed very fitting if they're trying to uh buff up the sequel trilogy by putting in more stuff that influenced the sequel trilogy so why not throw an eclipse class star destroyer in there i just love the design of the eclipse class star destroyer as i was telling you guys it's like man i could just do a whole video talking about this thing and and i looked it up on wikipedia because it's been a while since I read Dark Empire, but like these ships are basically a little smaller than Super Star Destroyers, but they have this like crazy ass like cannon on the front of the ships, and they they first appeared, which is interesting the coincidence of it all in Legends about six years after the events of uh, of Return of the Jedi, and this is about six years after the events of that as well. So they, the the timelines match up. Um, we get a, a blink and you miss it moment of the of the Naboo starfighter kind of twirling around with explosions. So we don't get like a full fledged look, but I mean, eh, I've, I'm pretty sure it's that classic uh, ship that just screams like a Legends design, uh, a Star Wars Legends design for me. So I'm happy about this. More more Easter eggs. Well, I mean, this goes back to what I've always said about they do have the material from Legends too into the shows to make canon so this proves it right here yeah we we had you know they keep increasing um the scale of what we see in mandalorian f- with the empire right first we see the empire it's like huh all they have is hey, they have a hunter stormtroopers a, a troop carrier and a couple death troopers okay season two it's like oh they have a architan's light cruiser with some dark troopers all right, I mean, Arcatine's cruiser is pretty small compared to a Star Destroyer, but hey, it's something. And now this thing shows up in Season 3. It's like, okay, the Remnant Empire is a lot bigger and it has a lot more resources um, mm-hmm. than we all expected. And, you know, we see how the one character, uh, damn it if I forget his name, but the guy from Kim's Convenience who is going around um, and, and yep. recruiting people. Who? Uh I can't think of his name either. Carson yeah, I mean, Teva. Look, he's going around Carson Teva. People. Right? Yep. Carson Teva's going around. He's yep. recruiting Carano. He's trying to go and get people out because, like, yeah, you know, there's something big out there. Yeah. This is not some small, isolated thing. There, there's an uprising somewhere of some Imperial, and, and I got to find them. And, you know, this is where we get the proof. Where it's like they have, like, battle class freaking Star Destroyers now. Like, they could give the New Republic well, a run for its money. Well, keep in mind as well, you know, that's another um, good point I didn't even think about when we were talking about the Bo-Katan villain stuff. Remember, in Mando Season 2, Bo-Katan literally says the word fleet 
when she's talking about when she's talking to Din about the Empire like building their their stuff back up, she literally uses the word fleet. Um, oh. So she obviously knows something about it because she mentions the um, you know when they're taking down that Imperial that dropship they they hijack basically like she she talks about like uh, you know the fleet. So you know we never saw that really resolved per se in Mando season two. I think that whole fleet thing is, you know, between Carson and her, we're going to get some type of grand scope with this. Cause like that, that star destroyer just, just proved it basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This next shot, we get to see the destruction from the air. It looks like this is from the perspective of another gauntlet Mandalorian fighter of what was, uh, the, the capital city of Bandalore, which is now escaping me. Sundari, Sundari, as we see in the Clone Wars, it's a big bubble. And we actually see it in Star Wars Rebels Season 4, as uh, our commenter said a few minutes ago. It's like, okay, here's the thing. It's, it's still not confirmed that we know when exactly this destruction happened. Did it happen during, you know, the Empire Strikes Back? Did it happen during, before that? Like, where exactly did this take place? So I don't know, like, how long the world after all that bombing has had time to like the world like heal a little bit who knows has it been a decade has it been 20 years who knows but still nonetheless is again another look at the visual effects of of ilm when you when you see them up for an emmy award they'll probably show like a cross-section of how they they made a shot like this happen and come to life it's just textbook like ilm work here yeah this is I, I, yeah, this is probably the, I guess the, the money shot of the trailer, because mm -hmm. this is a planet. This is a planet that we know is well known, but we all want to see the remnants of it. We want to see how it's all going to play out. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Like, like you know, it'll be it'll be one of our. I feel like it'll be one of our big action pieces for the show. Um, and you know, it, like you mentioned, it'll be interesting to see the time period of where it takes place specifically, like. Does it take place after Empire? Does it take place during between four and five? Even even in like the um, between episodes three and episodes four era, like when does it take place? And um, my thing is as well with it all is obviously John Carlos Esposito. Um, I can't think of his name. Gideon Moff Gideon. He's involved with it because you know he knows about the Mandalore stuff. So like, I feel like in these in these potential flashbacks we're going to be getting that's where we'll be getting our moff gideon stuff in this this season i bet mm -hmm. i mean it just fits you know now this would be the throne of mandalore right does this look like does that look like the throne all the way in the back there maybe i i, th I think it does look different like the hallway would... it looks too narrow i think i'm not sure maybe i mean maybe it's just how it, how it was shot, but I I honestly it was just first glance the way the camera is hmm. at a corner angle toward it. I would say, like I would like to me, it just really reminded me of the shots from Clone Wars. You know, like the the shots we see of like Darth Maul sitting on the th the angle kind of kind of shot seen the throne like i think i think mm -hmm. 
Well, this is a pretty much a confirmed shot here. I mean, if this is not the throne of Mandalore, I don't know what is, but you see Bo-Katan <laughs> sitting very comfortable in what could be the throne of Mandalore. I mean, you see the big, tall windows. This this is the throne of Mandalore here, for sure, without a doubt. Oh, 100%. But it's cool, because like, I can't wait to see like what that that enemy-to-enemy -enemy relationship could... I mean, Din doesn't really want to be your enemy. He sees her as an ally, and he's just like, I don't want to have beef with you. I just want to just do what's right for Grogu. I don't really want to get involved, but, you know, he might have to be forced well, to, but, yeah. Well, well, here's your here's your reasoning why I bet. I mean, I mean, think about it with, with the voiceover. The armor's, the armor's saying all of this stuff to Den. Like, she's talking about how you removed your helmet. You did all these things. I bet you her thing is probably go and confront Bo-Katan. You know? I, I, it's got to be heading in that direction. Because, like, the way we've known Den and Bo from Mando Season 2, they probably have a fine working relationship, I would say. Like, or at least a, a respect for one another. So I guarantee you going to just go, to, I don't know, to potentially kill her out of nowhere. And the only way maybe is into getting his honor back because he's having armor as we've like to me all of this is getting kind of set up the armor is kind of like your puppeteer in the background doing all of this stuff mm -hmm. i think this this shot here i know it's not not the best screenshot but it was a very fast moving image and just the badass nature of getting a per perspective shot of inside the gauntlet fighter, having it drop down from the bottom, and then these guys just jetpacking down through the atmosphere is one of the coolest Star Wars shots I've seen in a long time. It's just so action-focused. These guys have jetpacks, and they're freaking Mandalorians jumping out of a dropship, like, just ready to wreck havoc. Like, ah, I can't wait to watch this scene on repeat. Oh, that's pretty dope. I mean, it looks pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, I'm curious to see how they shot it, like, well, you know, with a mix of CGI, maybe some practical here or there, but no, I'm curious to see how it's done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we got this one here, just a good, good mm -hmm. shot of Grogu. Um, hasn't aged a day, it seems so, but you know, we got to have a shot for Grogu for everybody out there. So he looks good. Yeah, got, got to have Grogu, and, you know, he he's the flagship of the show. Like, you know, I mentioned it earlier when we were discussing Tales of the Jedi. Grogu, if Grogu wasn't in these shows for The Mandalorian, we could potentially having another show where it's like, hmm, do the, does, will the general audience really respond to this? Like, Grogu is such a big point for this series. I guarantee you, as soon as, soon as we get Grogu on screen, that's going to be the number one trending thing in the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. This next shot here, do you think this is Tatooine, maybe? I mean, this is this is a very similar-looking shelters. We just came back from Boca Boba Fett. Some criminal syndicate stuff happened on, on that planet. Um, but just a cool aesthetic of, you know, these Mandalorians going all tactical base. This guy giving the hand signals. I don't know what allegiance... It's going to be neat just seeing Mandalorian versus Mandalorian at some point, but I thought this was a cool, like, uh, kind of reminded of, like, Call of Duty or, or Rainbow Six Siege. Like, the guy's, like, giving directions, like, all right, we're going to go and take them take them from the left and you come up over top or something like that. Like, just cool stuff there. 
No, I don't think it's. Oh, I don't yeah. think it's tattooing. You always get. Think, you always got to love shots like that. Yeah, I, I don't think it's tattooing. I think the color's off. I mean, it yeah. has to be somewhere else. Maybe Navarro. Navarro always yeah. has that gray hue to it. Yeah. Um, over here, again, tried to get the best shot, but I, just just the cool action. The choreography is basically the what I wanted to get out of this scene here. It's just like the jetpack smashing the guy with the butt of the weapon. And the adversaries here, okay, they're not on that shot yet. We got we got some Kawaki and monkey lizards, multiple Kawaki and monkey lizards in this one. <laughs> Just uh, a good nod to the original Mandalorian teaser that had had a Kawaki and monkey lizard in there. All right, so I, I do oh, want to talk. Got a lot of little nods like that. <laughs> yeah, I do want to talk about this. This is the Doctor Pershing, and he's with. I can't really tell if that's one of the officers from one of the the ships that Gideon was on, but from what I heard from people, you know, this is this is him going undercover for some reason, and we know he's the guy who deals with the cloning. Are they going to make a connection here to Snoke? Are they going to make a connection here to a to a clone body for for Palpatine? I'm very curious that we're actually getting uh, more content with this character because I thought he was a, a throwaway, like bystanding, like glorified extra without you know discrediting the actor but i didn't think he would be playing much of a larger role after season one but here we have him um wasn't he in the bad batch no he wasn't in the bad batch but people no. that were part of his people i think were in the bad batch yeah but, there are scientists i think in there but no, oh, i mean like so we'll, yeah. we'll i'm curious to see what happens with this i mean this could be the tie into snoke and palpatine and the technology so if, if i mean if they do it right it should be done right so let's hope Maybe maybe it'll be maybe he's at Mount Tantus that we see in Bad Batch and that's like our cool connection. Yeah, I mean you could you could have that. You could have You know, one thing I do want out of this series with Pershing, with with these Why not have him like reference to like checking in with Thrawn or something like that, you know, or something like just because uh, it's, Pershing's got to be connected to like a wider scope of Star Wars, like just because most people probably see that character and think it was a throwaway character from season one of Mando, you know. So now that he's coming back, there has to be, you know, like you mentioned, Chris, it has to be the connection to Palpatine or, well, I guess, Darth Sidious's clone. Mm hmm. So these guys look familiar i mean i'm not pegging every nikto to look the same or whatever but i mean we just spent a lot of time with niktos on tatooine and that were affiliated with a criminal syndicate so these guys look like a scrupulous bunch which uh obviously look like they're up to no good because like i said in that previous scene we've seen one of the mandos just bashing one down to the ground so it looks like even though we're not dealing with uh, the Tatooine Underworld per se, we're still going to be dealing with the Underworld in some shape or form. And uh, very curious to see if these guys are going to be connected to another another syndicate somehow that I wanted to see at the end of Book of Boba Fett, but I can't get my wish mm -hmm. all the time. <laughs> Honestly, when I saw this, I was like, whatever. Like, I really don't care about these guys at all. Like, I've never really been a fan. I'm not a huge fan of, I think, because the Boba Fett show was so trash to me in a lot of ways. Like I'm not if really I don't care about these characters. Like honest to God, <laughs> I could I could honestly see this being one of those generic scenes. Couldn't you picture it, Milton? Generic scene. They Probably. see Grogu and like, oh, that's the one. 
that's the wanted little alien. Let's fight all the Mandalorian real quick for a couple minutes. Yeah. That that that'll be probably the extent of this scene. It'll, it'll be probably just some generic. Oh, we spotted Grogu. Yeah. Right. I yeah. Well, for sure, we are going back to Tatooine. If uh, Amy Sedaris's character didn't give it away, then well, the R five D four definitely gives it away. And uh, it was it was nice getting that a little nod to A New Hope with the electrical effects, the panels flying open, and well, it looks like she's going to be babysitting Grogu as uh, Mando goes on a very life threatening mission once again. So, and actually, I forgot to point this out: you actually see R five D four in the droid dome of that st of the Naboo starfighter when he's flying past the uh, uh the um uh, not the elite class the eclipse class yeah if you look close enough that's that's a droid in the back yeah <clears throat> let's see let's see okay just a couple more shots here we got an anzellen i haven't cross referenced it to see if that's exactly babu frick but it actually might be Babu Frick. I gotta, I gotta do a side by side comparison. <laughs> I, I feel like it, it probably will be just because you know more connections to the sequels and stuff, and you know why not? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people were, were I guess excited about to see this character. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, like Babu, if it's Babu Frick, yeah, I guess it's a nice little touch on it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at some images right now, and I, I'm pretty sure, unless they all look like they have the mustache and everything, then it's probably him. Yeah. yeah. All right. There's some kind of celebration going on, some fireworks and whatnot. Kind of remind me of like the end of Return of the Jedi. Like, hey, let's let's have a party. The Emperor is dead, sort of thing. So. I wonder what could be such a joyous occasion. Maybe it's just like the lunar year of some planet and they're just having fun. And, well, Grogu's definitely getting a kick out of it, as we've seen. So it's it's good to have some happy vibes in Star Wars every once in a while. It doesn't have to always be just war and, and battle all the time. It's probably him just landing on some random planet, in my opinion. Like, that's probably celebrating something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most likely. I mean... Maybe, or maybe it's like the post. No, I, I guess the Moff Gideon stuff wasn't as, you know, he wasn't as big of a threat to the galaxy, so it's not like a planet would be celebrating, but it's probably just some random, random planet. We're going to get some random species and probably some random piece of info to push the, like, the story a little further. Yep. And here we have a nice little image of uh, good old Grogu and Din Djarin and Mandalorian just going off on another adventure. You know, this is what got everybody into Mandalorian and kind of what got the fandom back is these two characters right here, front and center. You thought we were going to have them separated. And, well, Book of Boba Fett proved that eh, they don't have to be apart for that long. And, well, you know, if you haven't watched Book of Boba Fett, you're going right into Mando Season 3, you might be getting a little bit of whiplash. Like, wait, what? They, they're, they're gone for one episode and they're back the next? Well, they just go back and watch Book of Boba Fett. You know, that's what that's, what that's there for. I, um, <laughs> you, you watch. I, I bet they're gonna do what they did with Kenobi. How they did like a mini, mini summary of the prequels. I bet they do a mini summary of Oh yeah, Book of Boba at the beginning of this. Probably, but without a doubt, without a doubt. So there you go. That was our breakdown of 
of Mandalorian season three. What did you think of all cool things we've seen? Any Easter eggs we might have missed? Uh, let us know in the comment section down below. Yeah, we are speeding a little bit through those back halves of those uh, trailer breakdowns because we haven't had a show where we had to do two of them in one day. And plus, we were breaking down so much news. We had an extra large size episode. I want to thank you guys for hanging with me, Milton, for Ben. I know it's a little bit of a longer one tonight, but there was just so much good stuff to get through. And well, next week, it's going to be just as crazy because we have three Star Wars episodes to talk about next week. So we are going to be very busy again next week. But... um. I'll leave it to you guys to tell the good people of the internet what you're up to, where they can find you online. Um, I mean, look, on the weekends, I tend to just, you know, do my family thing, hang out with my friends, family, and, like, sports. You know, that's my time to get away from the real life. It's just sports, family, and friends. So that's what I plan on doing uh, this week and, like, always, and always hitting the gym like I normally do. You can find me... Um, on my Instagram at Milton Weber seven or my Twitter, which is Milton Weber seven. I think I said it right. <laughs> they're all, they're all pretty much the same. Milton Weber seven, Milton seven Weber. You can find me. Just if you see my face, it's me. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much really on all of that stuff. You can find me talking sports and fitness and star Wars, of course, on Twitter at Real Ben Maynard, and then you can find all, um, lately I haven't been posting, but you can find me, I'm going to get back to posting on Instagram soon, you can find me posting my fitness stuff, my uh, fitness journey of getting shredded and slowly building and working on that, um, at Real Ben Maynard. Oh, that's awesome. There you go. Uh, like I said, this week I'm going to be, you know, head down in some good old Star Wars books, as I often like to do. Just finished Death Troopers. Loved it. Talked about it a little bit earlier for catching us after fact. Uh, fast forward to the beginning of the episode where I literally could have talked about that book for two hours. But hence, we're over <laughs> our two-hour time limit. Not really, but it's, it's all good. Um, so keep an eye on that. I will be talking more Star Wars comics as I usually do. I put those videos up usually on Thursday mornings. And uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for episode 75. We thank everybody for watching. One important thing to note. We are actually changing our recording uh, time next week only first for next week uh, we have some scheduling things coming up we are actually going to be recording live next thursday so you can catch us one day earlier than you usually do next thursday same time same place on the channel around nine o'clock eastern well we can't wait to talk andor with everybody out there we're also excited to finally catch this awesome spy thriller so until next time for milton for ben for i chris aka star raptor we hope you enjoyed this show. Thanks for watching us and may the force be with you always and transmission.